Welcome everyone to the Faded Connections Path of Exile Community Podcast. We're at episode 91 now, slightly more than uh, a month into the league, or is it already 90, uh, one and a half months? We already lost track of time. We had so many episodes, good ones, great ones, but today is a little bit a different one, a very special one that we've been looking forward for a while. Um, Today, we're joined by one robot boy, and I am a cyborg from the POE Wiki team. If you guys are unaware, poewiki.net is uh, the new community-organized, community-maintained Path of Exile wiki solution that is now officially hosted by GGG. So you guys got the GGG seal of approval there, uh, if I may say so. Well, let's just start with you. Um, welcome. How are you doing? I am a cyborg. I'm doing really good. Um, I had a few beers last night, so I'm maybe feeling a little bit worse for wear. But, you know, if I'm a little bit croaky, that's uh, that'll be why. But no, really happy to be here. Thank you for, for inviting me. Really excited about this. Yeah, same. Uh, can't wait to get into it. And how are you doing, uh, Robot Boy? Welcome. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Um, thanks for having us here and looking forward to talk about the wiki a little bit. Very much so. Uh, before we go into the talk about the wiki part specifically, obviously, since you guys are not that much visible in public, it would be great if we could get a little bit of an introduction, talk about like, what got you into Path of Exile and how you got into the, the wiki and how you relate to the wiki. That's maybe already too much, but just, just share about yourself what you'd like the people to associate with your names. Um, so, I mean, I've started Path of Exile back when it was in closed beta. Um, and actually starting the wiki was a great way to get closed beta key because this was before uh, they were selling them, right? So I started playing all the way back then um, and started the wiki. Um, so I'm, if no one knows, I'm the idiot who sold it to Curse in the first place. Um, so I can go into that a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing for 11-ish years now. Uh, wow. Awesome. Me, on the other hand, um, <laughs> I've only been playing since Metamorph, and at some point I just got, I don't know, I kept seeing posts on Reddit about how bad the wiki is, and just thought that it's time to do something about it. But Metamorph is really relatively recent, like, compared to a lot of people we talk to. Yeah, and since then, I put like 3,000 hours already into PoE. I think I'm, you know, decently good at the game, but yeah, relatively recent. I think that's a lot of hours for a short period, to be honest. Metamorph was 3.9, right? So that's like... Yeah, it was uh, just after Exile Pass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was when Conquerors of the Atlas came out. So yeah. Yeah, I guess. And you don't... Don't even know the previous endgames before Conquerors. It's not, it doesn't seem like it's uh, that recently, but now when I think about it, it's, uh, it's quite recent. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, things that were there before. But Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I missed. Yeah, but everything that's relevant now, like you're, you're pretty familiar with, I'd say also, because you got a solid amount of time to catch up. Yeah. It was it was quite hard to get into, like it was overwhelming, but I enjoyed it. It was fun to learn. Definitely an understatement. 
Yeah, I can't even begin to imagine how it would have been to start in 3.9 without any prior knowledge of the game. Like I, for me, it was a really mm-hmm. steep learning curve starting in uh, in Bloodlines Torment. So yeah. So I stopped playing for a long time, and then I came back, and I came back at the during Scourge League, right? And there was that crangled meme that perfectly captured <laughs> like the feeling of, like, what is all of this stuff? Like, yep. what is going on? Too much stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's actually really funny, the the Krangle thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love how that became a thing. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's still a thing now. People are still using that as a meme. I think we. Uh, I think I created a page on the wiki about that. Actually, it's brilliant. <laughs> a Krangled page? Yeah, just to like capture the history of the meme because it's, it's so good. That's amazing. Um, well, what made you decide, or like, how did you come up with the idea of like making a wiki back then? Does the, I mean, it was pretty much in the same year that you started, probably. Yeah. Or I mean, um, it was prerequisite to starting because you said that's how you got the beta key. <laughs> yeah, I sent uh, Chris an email and got an e- I got an invite that way. Uh, no, like, I'm, I'm a bit of a weird one, right? I started some forums back in the day. I started a wiki about another game, like way back in the day. So I was kind of interested in running, operating sites like that. Um, Path of Exile, like I played so much, like Diablo 2 was my bread and butter for a very, very, very long time. Um, so I like, played a ton of that. Um, obviously saw Path of Exile, I was like, oh cool, this is like exactly the kind of game that I'm really into. Thought, well, no one's created a wiki for this yet. Good opportunity for me to set something up and then just kind of, you know, went from there, messaged uh, Chris, got a free invite, <laughs> which was very appreciated. Um, okay, but for most people, that wouldn't be like, most people who look at a game that they're getting into and they say, well, no one has made a wiki for it yet. The, uh, the last thing that a lot of people would think is like, I'm going to make the wiki. Uh, that's quite well, an ambitious like, project. The, the like, environment has changed. Background? Like, the environment has changed so much. So, like, fandom basically has, a mon- like, a monopoly on the entire kind of gaming wiki space. If anyone, any independent person wants to start a wiki, they are directly competing with fandom at any point. Like, fandom will create wikis for games that are just announced just to capture the search kind of intent and traffic. So, are yeah. Are any like of the- them actually good? <laughs> are you allowed to say that? Yeah, uh, I <laughs> I just because like the only experience I have with fandom is the one we have right now, which is let's I mean, call it suboptimal. The wikis <laughs> themselves are only as good as the community maintaining it, right? But fandom's just been making it harder and harder for their own benefit, basically. Right. Yeah, and there was, I guess, so um, we'll probably get into this a little bit later, right? But it's kind of fandom have acquired so many sites over the years. They acquired Gamepedia, which was Curse's kind of wiki hosting platform, um, and brought all of that stuff into their fold. So they just, like, you search for any game wiki, it'll be fandom. Like, and they control the entire market. Just to be clear, I have no idea. What exactly is fandom? Is it like a company? Yeah, they're they're a massive kind of American company. Um, They run community websites. Um, so obviously the fandom wikis is like I believe their biggest thing. Um, they recently sold a site 
that was built by the folks at Curse, um, D&D Beyond, uh, which I'm sure the D&D community is very familiar with, but that got sold for a couple hundred million dollars. Um, so they're a pretty big deal, you know, they're, they're making a lot of money. And then, uh, I'm, I'm sorry if you already answered that, but what was your, like, direct connection with wiki tech or with like making a wiki is that the first time you did it or like were you working on other wikis before no, so I'd, i'd kind of created wikis in the past so right the, there's a standard software so media wiki uh, which is what wikipedia runs on right and it's an open source platform and it's the de facto kind of standard outside of like business wikis like you've got notions and confluence and all that kind of stuff right but for sites like this media wiki is the site everyone uses open source you can chuck it on any kind of php server you'll get a wiki that runs um so i kind of built a couple um i think so i built one for a video game called love um there's this real genius swedish dude called eskil steenberg um and this was probably around the time that minecraft was kind of blowing up he built single-handedly built this video game called Love, which was kind of a, not massively online multiplayer, but online multiplayer kind of game where you collaborated with a bunch of people, you could kind of build a base, terraform the world, uh, do lots of cool stuff, really interesting, technically, visually, like real cool game. Um, so I kind of built a website forum and a, uh, a wiki for that, actually as part of like a university degree kind of course that I was doing. Um, so that's kind of like just a little side project that I did. Um, and then obviously I knew how to kind of build them from that point on, so when I got to discovering Path of Exile, I thought just kind of nice, fun little opportunity, build something for the community uh, and get to, you know, get to help out and do what I enjoy doing. And get the beta key. Gotta do what <laughs> yeah, you gotta do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, how is it for you? Uh, one robot boy. Did you, um, did you previously do any wiki related stuff when you decided to take matters in your own hand uh, around a year ago? I had no experience making a wiki or anything. Um, I'm a career web developer, so I thought it can't be that hard, right? It's basically <laughs> just a website. But yeah, I had no experience with making a wiki. And I had some sort of a, an idea of what I'm getting into. But yeah, it was it was a lot. <laughs> definitely, It's, uh, it definitely breaks a lot of conventions, right? Uh, in terms of traditional web dev. Yeah, definitely, because there's so much going around. Like, it's not just, you know, a static page with some images and some links on it. It's it's quite complex. Yeah, MediaWiki or Wikipedia MediaWiki, they have, like, this concept of transclusion. So, um, and it's how the templating system works in wikis, right? It's that a page can be transcluded into another page with parameters. So we'll have, like, an item link template. We'll have an item template. And based on data that's passed into that template, you can then put it into another page and kind of have this standardized templated thing. Um, you can also use it with some extensions to kind of store data in additional kind of database tables, uh, which is how we kind of do the, the more technical kind of stuff. Um, you can also run like Lua code that's on the wiki itself. So it's, just, it's really weirdly kind of backwards compared to traditional web dev. It's really like exposed to the users. Um, which is really good, right? Because it means that anyone can literally go to the wiki and write code that would normally be hidden in the back end that other people can access. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
You look like you have a question there, Beller, but I... Nah, just, just, <laughs> it just seems like it just seems like a lot of work. Like I did, I did a tiny, tiny bit of making my own website, and it didn't have anything that could be edited by users. And even all I had was like little fold out options, and that was it. And just trying to get that to work took me hours. Yeah, <laughs> trying, trying to get interactive things and everything. Oh my god! And then trying to make it look the same on different browsers or even on your mobile. Oh, that wasn't really a concern 11 years ago, right? Um, like responsive <laughs> design was not... I mean, the wiki's still not super responsive, right? So, um, yeah, like it's... Uh, I mean, the nice thing is, right, it's open source software, so there's all this development that's happening from other people. There's extensions, there's things that you can kind of... You know, yeah. we import templates from Wikipedia. Like a lot of like the original kind of infobox templates came directly from Wikipedia. Um, so there's that, that there's that concept of kind of sharing and licensing with wikis where you can directly and it's built in part of the software, right? You can export and import content, and that's what kind of actually kind of allowed us to take the site away from fandom and put it somewhere else. Uh, was that ability to kind of export and import content, um, which is real nice. Yeah, I, I had a question for a later segment of the stream but i want to kind of bring it up now because i think it helps people understand a little bit uh so for example when i hover the the skill gems on the on the list of skill gems on on poe wiki right now then you get like a nice little pop-up with uh well in the case of the list of skill gems page you get the entire skill gem description is that already integrated in the wiki template or uh, a basic kit that you're using or is that something that you had to implement that i believe if i remember correctly because that's been on site for a really long time i think Vinny built those um i'm not sure if he kind of used kind of existing code he might well have but yeah that's all stuff that we kind of had to build from scratch for this wiki Okay, so that's that's not like something that's included with the the wiki thing. Um, and if you yeah, kind of look within the background, right, the way that kind of works is there's an item link template, and you pass the name of skill gem or the item that you want to link, um, and that then runs all the code in the background and presents that nice little Harvard tooltip uh, for you. Just, I don't know if you know the actual numbers. Do you know how many people there are total that work on the Wiki website? Like, not not updating it because that's like a community thing, but like, how many people are working behind the scenes on it? Couldn't guess. I mean, hundreds, I think, probably. Um, One thing that's been really nice, right, is that with the recent announcement from Grinding Gear Games, we've had so much community support and so many people signing up and and actually kind of making little edits here and there, um, which is really nice to see because. That's always like the big inertia with these projects is just getting people to come in and help out. Yeah, I imagine especially yeah. when you just started up, like creating that image of legitimacy and persistence that like, you people are not going to look at you as like a you know one-off project that's going to disappear again in the next couple months. But the the fact that people understand from the GGG post, okay, there are actu- there's an actual team of community members who want to make this a thing and who are committed beyond just right now, but the, the, it's going to be a thing a year from now, right? And, and as soon as people realize that, then they're also more willing to contribute, I imagine. Yeah, no, definitely. And that also kind of goes to, you know, we reached out to Chris August last year and the wiki was only made official, you know, six weeks, eight weeks ago, right? So 
there was a long conversation where we also had to prove to Chris and folks that Grinding Gear Games that, you know, this is a very serious kind of project. And we, one, we know what we're doing and two, we're taking it seriously. Yeah. Ah, and uh, <laughs> how much convincing did it take you back then when you made the first version of the wiki? When you um, just wanted well, to get the like, beta key? Way back in the day, very, very little. <laughs> you know, it was just like, you know, I'm a fan. I'm doing something to help out the community. I, th I think, you know, when they were so early at that time, I think they were just kind of like seeing mm. community stuff happening. Um, so it didn't take very much convincing at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's also right hard now. to comparison, right? Hard to compare. I, I, obviously, it's a completely different situation if you just want uh, them to recognize what you're doing versus like actually hosting the thing on their servers yeah but i brought it up because i wanted to go back a little bit into back then because you um told us beforehand when we had a reddit thread with a ama question collection from the community you told us there that you also have some details about the the history of the wiki and everything i think you wanted to talk a little bit about that Uh, was there a, a wiki before the one that you made? There was no wiki at all, right? You said that clearly. So there was no wiki at all. Um, there might have been one on Wikia, but no one was kind of updating that as far as I'm aware. Wikia was fandom, before they rebranded. Um, ah, okay. But this was, yeah, Wikia was, maybe had like a little kind of thing, but there was no kind of real community website of that kind of nature. GGG obviously had their forums even back then. Um, Reddit was kind of starting out, but well, they, not Reddit was starting out, but the subreddit was starting out, right? So, yeah, started the wiki, right? Um, kind of reached out on forums to say, Hey, I've started this thing. Does anyone want to come and help? Um, and you know, you, you get a two, three, four, five people who come and do little bits and help out, and there's always a few people who are interested, right? Um, so kind of was running that on, I think the URL at the time was like pathfexlwiki.com. Um, and that was kind of running, running, running. Um, the game was getting bigger and bigger, and I think this was around the time of the probably the open beta uh, when open beta kind of started. We were running then, and then we went for like 1.0, right? So Path of Exile 1.0. Um, the wiki kept falling over, right? So I'd hosted it on some real garbage five pounds a month piece of crap host. Um, <laughs> And it was like, if anyone here is like, was around back then, like the site was down constantly. Uh, couldn't handle the traffic, couldn't handle anything. Um, and at that time, someone from Curse uh, messaged me on the wiki. It was like, hey, we like what you're doing. Would you like to have a chat? Um, so reached out to a dude called Donovan, uh, Donovan Duncan, who um, was the, ended up being CEO of Curse Media. And he said, you know, we really like what you're doing. We'd like to buy it. Um, I was 21, 22, working my first job, getting paid absolutely bugger all. I think I was making 21k a year, uh, which doesn't go very yeah. far in London, right? Um, first job out of uni, someone wants to buy it. That's kind of cool. Um, so I can, you know, negotiate a little bit, got a contract, sold the wiki for not very much, but I then ended up being paid uh, based on the wiki's traffic. So I would get paid a CPM rate. Um, so you guys run ads, you probably know what CPM. For everyone else, CPM costs per mil. So you get a, I would get a flat rate per thousand page views, effectively. 
Um, I think that was at the time 50 cent CPM. So not a great deal. Um, And there's a few things to that, right? So the success of the wiki is entirely dependent on the success of the game. So I could sink hundreds of hours into the website and get nothing back if the game was not successful. On the other hand, I could do very little. And if the game is successful, make bank. Um, so it was a very weird way of rewarding the work that was being done. Um, but basically, I kind of had this contract with Curse up until well, for quite a while. Um, I'm trying to think when it ended. Kind of other kind of aside to that, right? It's because I had this intro to the people at Curse. I was talking to them for years and years. Um, and one of the things I ended up doing was like, we really like what you're doing. Do you want to come work for us like properly full time? I was in England at the time. Curse at the time was out in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, and they basically made me an offer and said, like, we'll get you a visa. Come and work for us out in Alabama. Um, which, if you've never been, is all the stereotypes are true. Uh, it was, uh, yeah. So I moved, actually, I moved out to Alabama. Oh, you actually um, did it? Wow. I yeah. thought you were like, so rolling up to me, like, oh, I didn't want to relocate or something like that. Well, you no, actually oh, went there. Well. To relocate. If anyone gets it, do it. It's so much fun. I'm sure Robot could kind of speak to that in being in Bangkok as he is. Um, but yeah, so like I, the wiki kind of uh, was being hosted by Curse. They spun up Gamepedia at the time. So Gamepedia was just what's called kind of like a wiki farm. So it's just a collection of wiki sites under a single kind of domain. Um, and they kind of migrated all their big wikis into, into Gamepedia and so kind of started competing directly with what was uh, Wikia at the time. Um, so then I was kind of working at Curse. Um, I ended up getting fired after nine months, which, nice. Um, <laughs> uh, not for anything yeah, bad. Go on, they, go on uh, now. Uh, no, like, nothing bad, right? They, they got, I think, something like 10 million invested by Riot Games, and they decided to split the company. So they sent the... Um, well, the time was kind of... They were running something called Curse Voice. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys remember that. They were trying to compete with Discord. So they had this Curse Voice kind of thing, and that went off to... And they sent that whole team out to California, and then they kept what was kind of Curse Media, which was all the community websites, and that stayed in, in Alabama. Um, and they took the opportunity when they got that money to just make a bunch of cuts within the company. And my role uh, was just one of the ones that was cut. Um, I still had the contract with the wiki at the time. So that, I think, carried on for another like two years, potentially, after I left. Um, so it wasn't like we left on really bad terms or anything. It was just, you know, your role is not needed in this company. You're not really bringing any value. So we'll cut yeah. you, um, which I think... Everyone, I think anyone my age who has been in work has probably dealt with that a few times, I think, by this point. And, well, we're probably going to very soon with this coming recession, um, which is pretty <laughs> depressing. Um, no, so I, I went back to London um, and then, you know, carried on working on stuff. Um, when they cut my contract, I kind of like, okay, I'm kind of done with this wiki thing, done with Path of Exile for a while. Um, so I, you know, I post on Reddit. There's probably a post that is still out there. It's like so long and thanks for all the fish. Um, gotta love a fishing reference, right? Um, and so I kind of, uh, you know, carried on kind of occasionally browsing Reddit, wasn't playing, um, Just wasn't quickly, playing. Again, oh. to be very clear, I'm, I'm sorry if I missed it when you said it, but when was that exactly that, that, uh, when you finalized the, or like when you left the job and went back and you kind of disconnected from the wiki activity and from the game itself let me i think probably around like 2017 all right um, 
yeah, so it was a while ago, right? So I was kind of checking Reddit, checking stuff in the background, um, which is probably where actually Robot kind of kicks in and starts talking about what he did to really bring the project um, into where it is. I'm checking my LinkedIn now to actually check when, <laughs> when I left Curse. Uh, yeah, so no, I le- yeah, I left Curse. I left Alabama in September 2015, uh, and then the contract ended June 2016. Right. I love LinkedIn sometimes. Um, between that time and when uh, when uh, Robot started playing, that's still like a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's so a good there, few years. There's a gap in our podcast history. That's that's yeah. when things went downhill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the development that needed to happen for you to, to feel the need to step in. The, yeah, I guess so. The dark zone when no one was manning the gates. <laughs> yeah, I guess no, there well, are still sorry, gone. There are still editors um maintaining the wiki, so to speak, but yeah, it was just you know out there as far as I know. Because obviously yeah. I wasn't playing back then. There was there was so Vinny and Omega were kind of like two of the admins at the time. Vinny's still an admin now, but like they spent I mean I did some work if we're talking about the people who really built the site and turned it into what it is like they're the guys right they did yeah, all of the data stuff at the time they did Vinny's done so much of the content so much of the templating stuff uh, so they're like the unsung heroes of kind of the project um, so they they kept the lights on right they uh, they made sure it was all happening and they unlike me they weren't paid or incentivized to carry on working on the project they did it out of just pure kind of enjoyment for the thing which really speaks to kind of, yeah, like their work. They've done so much work on this over the years. Right, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to fully realize like how much work happens behind the scenes that goes into a resource like this. Yeah, if you think like we've got tens of thousands of pages, right? Um, so there's, there's, there's kind of two things to the wiki, right? There's one which is just the editorial content, writing stuff. Then there's like the data piece, right? And the data piece is all of the data mining and turning that data mining into kind of content on the wiki and hosting it and kind of presenting it in a way that is then interesting and informative and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's like there's those two kind of streams of work that are like very different, um, I think, and kind of done by different kinds of, kinds of people, uh, but both like absolutely critical and necessary to, to bring the wiki to where it is now. Right. Well, that that was a a brief history of the wiki from you so far. Um, Robot Boy, what can you tell us about uh, getting from where you started a year ago to to where we are now? So we're caught up. So I guess I should go back to the beginning, right? Like with the post you just had on on screen. Right, I'll bring it up again. Uh, yeah, so that was the point where I just thought, you know, let me check it out. Let me see what other people think about it. Because I see a lot of people complaining, but would anyone be willing to do anything, right? And at this point, I had no knowledge of Cyborg or Vinny or any of the admins. I had no idea who maintained the old wiki and how anything worked, right? I just, I just had an idea and thought, let's see how this is going to go. 
And after that, I saw that it got quite a lot of traction. A lot of people had a lot of frustration with fandom. And just then they changed the layout of all their wikis when they started forcing that uh, mobile layout. <clears throat> and a lot of people really didn't like that. And also yeah. they filled it with ads, right? And one of the biggest things for me was that the data on the wiki was not being updated, right? And that's that's really bad to have a wiki like that for a game like VOE that updates every three months and just go looking for something and you get misguided and, you know, it can have a bad effect on how you enjoy the game. Absolutely. So, so yeah, okay. I just decided to... Let's have a look. Can the data be exported? Would we get in trouble if we just export fandom and host it somewhere else? I started to look into it a little bit more. And um, <laughs> funnily enough, at the same time, Cyborg decided to start his own wiki as well, like his own version of the wiki. So we kind of both started and we're moving in parallel. And then also PoEDB started their wiki around the same time, right? <laughs> So there was nothing, and then all of a sudden there were three wikis, <laughs> four wikis, including fandom. Wow. So that, that was pretty interesting. And yeah, that's when uh, me and Cyborg started to you know, sit down a little bit and see if we can help each other and what can we do. But as you can imagine, I wasn't going to like trust him really easily because he's the guy that got us in this place in the first place right <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah that was that was an interesting uh an interesting few days and few chats that we had <laughs> yeah like like you're not even saying the, the big part right which is that i'd reached out to you first and kind of said oh i'm kind of interested in this and then i went and did my own thing um, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> right my my view then was like i don't know who these people are i know that this like is a real commercial opportunity if someone wants to be a sleazebag like I was back in the day <laughs> someone can turn this and make a lot of money and I was just I was really wanting to like steer it in a good direction where that wasn't going to happen um, yeah. so like we, we kind of worked as, as Robot said like in, in parallel kind of streams doing our own things separately and then I think there was a stream with Chris where you know people were really angry and annoyed about the state of the fandom wiki and they were just bombarding him with messages and he kind of said you know if anyone who's working on a wiki wants to reach out like please do we're open to kind of talking and at that point um thanks to like pm who's another of the guys who's involved in the new project um he just got robot and i to you know like just talk and sort whatever problems existed out and just work together um and then from that point on i think everything has been like we've made so much progress uh, but it was, yeah, it was a little bit of like a twisted stream at the beginning. But I'm really glad we got to we got to end up working together. It's worked out really well. Well, yeah, you can imagine there's a lot of pride involved, and you know, doubt, especially like I said, like was was really hard to make the choice to just trust the same person that put us in this situation, you know. But yeah, things worked out well in the end. <laughs> Way worried he's gonna sell the wiki again. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was one of my main concerns, right, was that if I'm going to do this, it has to be the first and the last time, right? Because it was an insane amount of work and insane amount of um, 
things that needed to get done. And I just did not want this to happen ever again and someone else having to do it again. Yeah. So yeah, that was it's probably that was valid condition. when you don't know the guy, right? <laughs> like this yeah, is a valid definitely. concern. Hundred <laughs> percent. So yeah, that was quite interesting. And also at the same time, he had a lot of experience, right? Um, with how the wiki works and all the templating and all the media wiki stuff. Um, I had my experience as a developer because like Cyborg mentioned, there's basically two parts to the wiki. One is the website itself and one is the tool that does all the data mining and exports it to the wiki automatically. So yeah, I realized that it would be much, much easier if we just work together and also bring in some other people in between to make sure it's not just uh, me and him and just fighting all day. And yeah, we came to an agreement. Yeah, and I think we quickly realized that we're really after the same thing, right? We wanted to steward it in a good direction where people weren't going to profit from it and shove it full of ads and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, so we're really aligned in like what the actual kind of end goal for the project was, and it's still kind of ongoing, right? Yeah. Here's an interesting question. You say like um, you don't want to like make sure it's not going to like get flipped for a bunch of profit, basically, but you still have to manage some amount of money, right? No, like, no. before it was hosted by GGG, oh, yeah. it cost yeah. you guys money to run. Yeah, and so you still had to balance that, right? Well, so, I mean, that just come out of someone's pocket. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, we we kind of talked about it as a group at the time, and I was like, "Well, you know, I've made money from this, right? So I'm just going to pay for the hosting." Um, so I was paying for the hosting right up until GGG kind of uh, took it over. Um, huh. We did kind of talk about like you know the community was saying, "Oh, why don't you accept kind of Patreon and all that kind of stuff?" It's just like. It's so complicated. Like it's not even worth a discussion because we have people in North America, like in in America, in Canada. We've got people in England. We've got people in Thailand. Like I don't want to deal with the tax implications of all that. <laughs> what a nightmare! So it's like no, I can afford to run a server for for a, well, it ended up being like just over a year. Um, so no, it was yeah, no, we we paid for that out of pocket. Just was basically based on the funds that you made back in the day of of making the wiki. You decided yeah. that that was a big enough advance so that now you can, uh, can give back a little bit. Oh. It's basically the redemption arc. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no longer the villain, hopefully. <laughs> trying to trying to get rid of your tremendous feelings of guilt. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Right, and uh, and. I guess this is a great uh, point to ask: uh, How many people do you like work with uh, in this in this quest now? How, how hard was it to find dedicated team members, and how many people are there? What are the different roles or like hierarchy, if there's any? How do you distribute what's what needs to be done? And the people who do, I, I imagine there's sort of like different areas, right? Not everyone does everything. There's specialized roles. Let us know a little bit about that. Um, there's no like, there's no formal work stream, right? So it's all very ad hoc. There's a few things we know we need to do, right? When there's a new league, we know we need to do the data mining piece. We know we need to update the homepage to show the new content. We know there's going to be a whole bunch of new pages and it creating. Um, so we know that there's some kind of vague things, but we don't try to organize or tell people what to do. Um, it's really, it's like, it's completely 
contributor driven, right? So the last thing I want to be doing is saying, you need to work on this because, you know, they're doing it out of their free time, out of interest, right? It's just not going to go down well um, if we dictate. Uh, but I think we've got a group, Robot, correct me if I'm wrong, but like we've got about seven or eight kind of core admin-ish members, right? And then everyone else just kind of, you know, chips in, helps where they can. Yeah, I think it's eight total of us that are, yeah, at higher role, so to speak. But there's no, like, official hierarchy. We just do whatever we can do to contribute. And everything just sort of happens, every league, basically. Now that we updated the tooling and have some more help in that regard as well, it becomes a little bit easier. So it's also easier for editors to start updating the, the website content. So do you get do you get more people being like just going and doing things, just being like I'm just going to make this page and just don't tell anyone, or do you get more people going, hey, I've got six hours free, what do you need done? More the former, right? Um, we've yeah. had a few instances where people kind of say, oh, I want to help, but I don't know where to start, and we do have actually we've got pages on the wiki that say like where to start to kind of <laughs> to help out, right? So. <laughs> There's ways they can do that. I think a lot of people will just like will be browsing the site and they'll notice something that is either wrong or inconsistent or that, you know, they know that they can just change. And so we'll see people just making small changes here and there as well. Um, by the way, like if anyone wants to help out, please do. We need as much help as possible. So don't take what we're saying as saying that we've got it all on hand. Like the more, the merrier. Well, I'd, I'd like to formally apologize for talking shit about every wiki ever for like the last. 10 years of my life as a content creator and never once even <laughs> logging in to edit or help at all. I am the problem. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think there's a big misconception going on around this that um, I've seen people mention that they've made edits and they've had their edits deleted and thought that there's some sort of, you know, wiki cabal that wants to get all the credit for the contribution and whatnot. Wiki gatekeeping. Yeah, or think that, you know, it's it's our wiki, basically, and only we get to make changes. But it's not like that at all. Like, we always encourage people to come in and make changes. And if something gets um, reverted, there's a good reason for that, right? And we also encourage people to come and have, you know, discussions about changes that they want to make. Because sometimes it's, you know, a little bit more than a typo or something or a misspelling somewhere. And it's about a mechanic that needs to be verified and needs to be, you know, written in a way that makes sense to be on a wiki. Yeah, yeah. Uh, depending on which frame of reference you have, which language you come from, it needs to be phrased in a certain way that's easily accessible. The the information needs to be there for people. So, yeah, I, I imagine you go through quite a few review processes when you make those uh, edits to mechanical pages especially like the page on damage conversion or incoming damage i imagine is a pain to to get that to the point where you want it to be i think it's mostly just trusting people right um i think in most cases people will edit it with good intent obviously there's a few people who vandalized it here and there but like if someone's editing that page i'm not going to go through and mechanically like check everything like is what they're saying is true i assume good faith on their part uh which you know, sometimes trips me up, but in most cases kind of proves to be the correct course of action. Um, the challenge we have, right, is that in many cases people will find, you know, a bit of data's wrong or something. 
And if they want to change that, that's where things become more challenging because it goes back to that data mining piece where we need people who are more technically minded who can work on data mining tools and who can work on a script that imports the data into the wiki or who can kind of, who understand Lua, who understand how wiki templating works. So there are kind of, that's where we kind of, I think, have problems where there are those harder bits to change and people just think, oh, I just want to change this thing. And it's no longer quite that easy anymore. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so just for the onboarding process, uh, if I wanted to edit something, right, I, I'm on the poewiki.net start page right now, there's this link, become an editor, that's just what I click, and then I make an account, and uh, and then I can yeah. edit things. And then you can edit just so edits. You'll have to validate your email address first. Uh, right, makes sense. One of the measures to, you know, combat bots. Um, but yeah, it's really that easy. Make an account right now. <laughs> real name. Well, what's my real name? Maybe don't make it right now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, we can I'm, all see. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys can see my email. That's that's my public email. That's fine. Not not giving my uh, top secret email. Oh God, I can't do this capture. How does this work? A planned on the table. How am I supposed to know which one has a table? I think it's supposed to purposefully lie on these to trick the robots. <laughs> How I handle these. <laughs> I have an extension that does captures for me. I always which is wonder. hilarious because they're supposed to be anti-botting things, and I've essentially downloaded a bot that does them. It works as intended. Yeah, it's fine. Why is it white now? <laughs> oh. So there are like certain special pages, and I think this is a config setting we need to ask JGG to kind of change, but because they're special pages. And because the styling is effectively, um, right, this is where we go back to the wiki weirdness, right? There is a page on the wiki that handles the CSS styling. And that is a page that, uh, well, not anyone could edit. We do have some controls over who can edit that page. Um, but basically, someone can go in and put that in, and they could inject some JavaScript or something, right? So um, for, the, for like security purposes, the default media wiki behavior is to not load that content on those pages. Ah, yeah, makes sense. So people don't get tricked into like sharing their their uh, yeah, yeah. Sp yeah. Uh, spicy data. That yeah. makes sense. <laughs> All right. You know, so I made an account. Now I got an account. So whenever I see something that's incorrect, I can go and suggest an edit or like directly edit it uh, as yep. soon as I verify my email. That's important. But I think that's important to know. Like, I in the past, I wasn't sure either. And I, I think I tried editing things on the fandom one back in the day when I started finding out that there were things wrong. And I remember that it was not as intuitive or it was not as accessible or I needed to, I, I don't know, there was an additional layer of verification that I never got through. I don't even remember, but I never started, like, actually editing things. Yeah, and there's, if you look in kind of the, in the sidebar, right, there is... Uh, so there's a link to a community portal, and that's kind of like the real kind of starting point, I think, for a lot of the stuff that we kind of need help with, right? So there's literally a, a heading that's like join the editing team and then a link to, you know, where to get started and things like the manual of style and how to do referencing and all that kind of stuff and to-do lists for new leagues and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Getting started guide. Oh, so you even have like an on-wiki resource for people who want to... Start oh, yeah. doing things. There's a step-by-step -step guide. Get started. Be bold. Be respectful. Join the conversation. Learn the basics of editing. 
Awesome. That that is uh, very resourceful. I've never seen this. I have to admit. Maybe you should make that a little bit bigger on the start page. Yeah. Ah, you don't want to be too on the nose with stuff like that. I always remember people don't like calls to action, but then the people who like the calls to action never complain about them afterwards. Oh, I'm sure Robot can talk about this as well, right? But I work in marketing field, right? People say they don't like stuff, but they sure as hell do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, but I guess no one likes to be told what to do, right? You don't want to go looking for something and has to be in your face. Hey, help us out. Hey, help us out. Isn't that how uh, Wikipedia makes absolute millions every year from those really <laughs> annoying banner ads? So like, please donate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where they always have the bars. Like, we need that much more funding in this yeah, period. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing that gets me, though, because if those didn't work, oh, they wouldn't yeah, be there. <laughs> like, they wouldn't be there. So there everyone complains, but also... ...and verify that this stuff works, right? They'll run multiple variants of this content and this stuff to see yeah. what is the most effective one. They'll do a bunch of EB testing and be like, this works, this doesn't work. This works less, this works more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's probably a topic for a whole separate podcast, right? I find that stuff fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so basically you need like a whole bunch of people who are willing to help out. So anyone who's listening to this in the audio version or in the, the YouTube version or like live right now on the podcast, if you've always dreamed of helping out the community by uh, by contributing small bits and pieces of work here or there, then the poewiki.net is a great place to start. And... uh yeah, you already have tons of people. I mean, I saw just on the start page there there was eighty seven active users right now. That's, and that's actually you know. that's um, inaccurate, right? So that number gets updated via a script that's run in the background on the server. All right, I don't think we've run that script in probably about six months. So that number <laughs> now is going to be much higher. All the right. real number, right? But the pages and the article count is accurate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> those are accurate. Yeah. Right. Um, we already talked a little bit about like how uh, things are a little bit anarchical or like you don't really have that much of a hierarchy. But when we talked uh, leading up to the podcast, you specifically mentioned that you have a, a project manager who is also the guy who reached out to us in the first place. Uh, yeah, I, I actually honor him by wearing a Bowie shirt right now here. So is there any any uh, any people you'd like to give a shout out to on your team like talk a little bit about what they do and what they contribute specifically or what like you couldn't do without them or like what makes your work easier It's also fine if you're like oh those people want to stay in the shadows otherwise they would be here on the podcast right now with us I mean if they, don't There's shine so a spotlight people, on right? onto anyone who doesn't want in the spotlight There's so many people like the you know we've got like Black Sun, who has become a massive editor really, like, very, very quickly. And she, well, I don't know if it's a he or she, but they've contributed so much to the wiki recently over the last few months. People like Zao, who, like, who are very heavily involved in the kind of the tool building side of things. Like, you know, I can't really say just how valuable they are to the project and to the community in general, right? They're kind of... I think the tool creators, um, and not just talking about the wiki here, but tooling for Path of Exile in general, is so critical to the success that the game has had. And just the, the ease in which you know we get around some of the frustrations that a lot of us kind of have with the game sometimes. 
And also probably a shout out to Angelic Knight, who's been helping out with the data mining tools, just making sure that it's updated every dig, keeping in mind all the changes that GGG makes in between. Yeah, they've been they've been a really, really huge help because that's probably the part where we need help the most because editing is so much more accessible than um, working on a tool that is a huge code base in Python, you know, and there's no there's no easy way to approach it, right? You just gotta get into it and start playing around with it. Yeah, it's a very specific skill set and like a like sort of knowledge that you need in order to do that. Whereas editing is something that anyone who plays Path of Exile and knows a little bit about how things work could be doing. Yeah, exactly. Right. You already talked a little bit about uh, a philosophy topic or like philosophical topic uh, in terms of the monetization that you wanted to make this wiki like one of the main driving forces for you was that you really didn't want it to be in the wrong hands you didn't want people to put out a bunch of, of nonsense and then heavily monetize on it but you wanted to have like a good community resource that's you know not not overly monetized um you, you did get hosted by ggg in terms of monetization i'm assuming that you're not running any ads anymore on the page now that's like part of the the thing well i mean no, we, we never, we ran, never ads. ran ads on the site right on the PoE wiki, yeah, right, yeah, right. I mean, I mean, you did run ads on the fandom one back then, right? Yeah, yeah, but that was not a choice that was made by the wiki editors. By, like, yeah, okay, yeah, makes sense. They had no no say in it. But one of the of the main goals when we started was to not have ads. Right, that was <laughs> well, ads actually. Last it's no tracking in general. Yeah, yeah, that, we don't run what any I wanted sort of to get track. into. What does that mean, no tracking? What does that even, like a layman, illiterate computer person? So if you go to most websites out there, they will be running some kind of JavaScript that tracks who you are, what you're doing, like even to the point of literally kind of screen recording, capturing your input, um, it basically just capturing everything you're doing on a website. Um, so that's something that we're really keen to kind of avoid for a number of reasons. One, it's like just it's just annoying and privacy invasive, right? Um, two, there's like GDPR implications. I'm in the UK. Um, I work in this field. I'm very aware of kind of those implications. I don't like tracking people, um, uh, and I don't want to have to deal with like cookie consent and banners and all that kind of stuff. What does GDPR stand for? General Data Protection Regulation. Awesome. Thanks. Okay. It's, uh, it's an EU-wide legislative kind of uh, piece around kind of data privacy um, and, you know, consent management and, you know, basically how data gets processed. That's basically the reason why on every website that runs cookies now you get asked whether you want to accept all cookies or reject all cookies. Yeah, it's, it's actually it's a lot wider than cookies, right? Um, those websites could just not serve cookies, could not track you. Um, so it's not GDPR that's to blame for the cookie consent stuff. That's just website operators wanting to track as much as they can. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. they want to run cookies, but like be based on the GDPR yeah. thing, they have to disclose that information upfront once you start visiting the page. Yeah, exactly. But basically, there's no real good reason why we ever need to record any user data for a wiki, right? 
like other than marketing that's the well, only I mean, purpose. you could do it under the guise of wanting to optimize the the user experience right like if you know where people hover most often or which links they click then you could put links in there that are more likely to help the people and so on i mean i, I could see how you could construe it in that sort of you know way where it's like it's it's for the best of the user but that's obviously kind of, that please. gets into really interesting stuff right where you you have this data, right? Once you've got it, what do you do with it? Um, do you look at it and kind of actually make improvements? My experience from wor working in this stuff for like a decade is that most people, one, don't understand data, don't look at it properly, and don't interpret it in the correct way, right? So we could be collecting this stuff, but like, what are we going to do with it? Um, and there, as you're saying, like, you know, we can use it to optimize stuff, but okay, so. We know the Mage Blood, Mage Blood uh, page is really popular, right? That's kind of one of the things that we know people coming from Google, that's one of the key kind of pages. There's a reason it's one of the key pages, because fandom doesn't have that page. So that's kind of one of the reasons why it's super popular on our site, right? Um, but you could misinterpret that as just being it's really popular because that's what everyone's kind of searching for. They are obviously searching for it, but there's a reason why we're over-representing on that one versus fandom. Um, right. So there's all this kind of like data stuff that isn't a gotcha, but you need to really consider like what's actually happening and what the data, how it's been collected and what it's actually kind of presenting back to you. And, and you need to interpret that correctly, yeah, um, which make is it a really, skill in and of itself. Yeah. Does that make it really easy to like read that data if you had it collected and be like, oh, we should put a link to the mage blood like at the top of the front page because it's like our most popular page. But in reality, it's only popular because it doesn't exist on the other one. So you're getting 100% of that traffic rather than 50 or 40 or 60 or whatever it is now. You're getting all of it. Yeah. So I guess <laughs> like, the driving yeah. like, principle is, even in terms of like, the way we present content, is we make some assumptions, and there are assumptions that we don't know for sure, but we make assumptions about stuff that people will want to know about or that they care about or that they should know about. And so that's kind of the stuff that we surface. And then within those pages, there are ways of, you know, you interlink to other content, you have kind of specific templates to kind of uh, nav boxes and all this kind of other stuff that just kind of make sure that content is interlinked quite heavily. So we try to guide people in the right direction. Um. Yeah. And obviously, there's, the, there's also like, so a new player is going to be looking for different information than someone who's been, you know, playing the game for 10 years. Um, so we have to kind of consider like all of those people. We can't personalize a website in real time based on the type of person that you are. We don't know that information. We don't have the technical kind of capability to do that. So we have to keep it kind of as informative for as many people as possible. I was I was going to leave any like chat questions to the end, but this one just like kind of fits in with exactly what we're talking about now. Um, you talked about you don't run ads, you're not monetized, and we're not tracking data. And so we had a question from chat earlier, um, Yelp, Yelpy, I don't know how to say that, asked um, when Genie decided to host for you to basically just cover the hosting cost, um, were there any, was there any conditions or like things that you now have to do because of their hosting that you wouldn't have had to do before? Did it come with any strings attached, basically? Nope, no strings attached. So but short just, answer to that one, but no, short answer, just no like, strings attached. We'll host it 
here's here's the ability to not have to have it come out of your bank account anymore, and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah, they basically took it over and put it on their servers. Rather than just pay for the one we had, right? Because it's easier for them to manage. So that's the short answer. But the long answer and how it all started was that we created a a channel on our Discord, basically, and started drafting up an open letter to send to Chris and GGG. And that's where, you know, anyone who wanted to be involved with the wiki could come up and talk about it or what they thought uh, was important for the wiki. And that's how it sort of all started. There were no, you know, clear condition, like Cyborg said earlier. They just wanted to see that we're serious about it and you know, wanted to see that we're going to keep it up to date and keep it maintained. Yeah, I think that from their side, um, the impression I kind of got on the calls that we had with their team um, was really that they just wanted to make sure that we were serious, right? Um, we were, we want to remain like relatively professional. So, you know, try not to swear too much on the wiki, right? That stuff is can't be deleted right so if they're gonna be officially associated with it um they wanted to make sure that we were serious we we're professional we kind of knew what we were doing um yep. so yeah and also the same as us they didn't want to be put in a position where they would have to do this all over again at some point right if things go bad yeah fair enough yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, GGG, from GGG's point of view, you don't want to be like um, putting your seal of approval onto a wiki now and then next year that wiki is out and people are not working on it anymore and then there's a new resource that people gravitate towards and you, obviously you want to maintain some sort of uh, credibility, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's the right word. Um, another topic that, that we can branch off to that you brought up was the Google results. You said that the the Mageblood page is the most visited one on your wiki because, well, we can't know for sure, but like one big driving force would be that the other one doesn't have a page on Mageblood. So whenever people type into Google uh, Mageblood wiki or something like that, then yours would be the first one to pop up. A question that I've seen repeatedly in different forms is like, how close are you to overtaking the Google search results when people search for PoE wiki stuff? How close are you to actually being listed first over the, the fandom? Or is there any way to tell how close you are? And um, yeah, like w- what can people do if they only want to see your page in the results when they search for things? So there are there are tools that could help us to kind of find that information out, right? We don't pay for them, so there's like SEMrush, Moz, uh, Ahrefs, like all these kind of SEO tools uh, that would allow us to kind of monitor how we're performing and how fandom is performing. We don't use those because we don't want like we don't want to pay for them. Um, if someone listening uh, is an SEO kind of person and has those tools and wants to kind of provide that data back to us, that would be really helpful. Um, but it's not something we're kind of too concerned about, I guess, is the right way to put it, right? So we want to outcompete fandom, and we are starting to outcompete fandom. The problem that we have is that because we took their content, we're effectively kind of being penalized for having duplicate content. So until our content is sufficiently different, 
in many cases we won't show up. And so we still have that problem where, you know, you search for like PoE Fireball, um, our Fireball page doesn't show up. Val Fireball, or Val Fireball does. But Fireball doesn't for some reason, right? So there's like, there's weird little things like that. And there's things you can do in Google to kind of make it easier. So you can just do minus fandom and you won't get results back from fandom. Um, one of the guys who works on Project PM, he wrote a browser extension, right? And that browser extension kind of automatically redirects any click to fandom back to our wiki. Um, there's a few caveats with that one, right? So um, the way Google kind of works, I think, well, who knows, it's a black box, but the way that it kind of works is that if you uh, click uh, something on Google, right, that's an intent that that's kind of a website that's worth visiting, right? Google's kind of interpreting that as a positive signal. So they will kind of um, boost fandom in that respect versus us uh, in some instances. Um, so maybe we do need to kind of think about a strategy to kind of, uh, I guess, kind of uh, start ta- start reducing the use of that kind of extension. Uh, but for now, it's like it's useful for people, right? So um, so long as it's useful for people, so long as so long as it's getting them the stuff that they need, the information they need. I'm not too concerned that maybe there's some kind of uh, inefficiencies from an SEO perspective. Is is this the same extension that I'm using? Or did I hit like Alt W? Yeah, then, so, yeah. Yeah, right. Is that so that same extension, honestly, we should link that extension to people in the descriptions of everything because it's amazing. But I don't know who designs well, this it? bit. It's but a double-edged sword. If I understand correctly, it both helps the wiki because it drives more traffic to the wiki, but on the other hand, it also helps the fandom in the Google rankings because it still counts as a link or as a click on the fandom link. Yeah, exactly. So maybe there but, would be a better way to to redo the plugin so that it actually counts as a click to the wiki. I don't know like how you could do it, but it could automatically add minus fandom to to every like poe related google search or something like that i don't know i'm not a plugin person the um the extension part that i like the most is that it's got a hotkey and i just hit alt w and it opens up a little tiny window that that is a little little search box and you just type the thing that you would have normally have typed into google anyway right let's just be like i'm looking for val fireball or fireball whatever the hell it is and instead of searching Google, it directly searches the new wiki and brings you to the wiki search pages if you searched it on that from anywhere. Which oh, okay. is- yes, that was kind of a reason behind why we allowed the extension to go on like that, right? Like uh, Cyborg said, we're aware that it's not doing us only good and it's also doing bad, but the reason was that people would start using it more and more and then they would use the hotkey or like the the built-in search function rather than going to yeah. Google, right? Yeah, which I've started using recently and it is absolutely amazing. It's way quicker to get to... I, I, in fact, I actually used it on stream yesterday. I died to some sort of debuff that I have never seen before. By the way, I've played like 23,000 hours of the game. <laughs> you think I'd know what all the debuffs are? No idea. Uh, and so all I had was a, a, a screenshot of the debuff that was on me for half a second. And so I just like, Alt W debuff. And then that brought me to a page for searches. And I was like, debuffs. And it was like, list of debuffs. And I just scrolled down until I saw the symbol I'd, that was on my screen. And I was like, okay, what the hell does that do? <laughs> and like, it was so quick to get there. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> yeah, working as intended. <laughs> yeah. 
So right. even though we don't run any analytics, we still have some data from the Google Search Console that gives us a little bit of an idea of how many people look for wiki stuff and what kind of pages they look for, right? So for example, in the last three months, because I've seen um, someone ask on Reddit, I think it was, like how much traffic are we actually driving? So over the last three months, we've had 2.96 million clicks and 24 million impressions. And our average position is 6.2. So it's not that good, but it's also not that bad. Average position we used to be much is, like, lower. is the average position it's, listing in a Google search result. Yeah. yeah. Okay. At and least what, that's paid one still. Yeah. <laughs> Like the, the caveat to that, right, is that's only Google data. So we're not capturing the direct data. So people are just going directly. We're not capturing the extension kind of information, right? So yeah. that's only one kind of lens to it, right? And also yeah, on other Google search level. engines, on other search oh. engines, we're performing quite well, like on DuckDuckGo and Bing as well. I love Bing. They, uh, Bing uh, absolutely screwed us for a little while because they were <laughs> their search crawler was uh, hammering a page that shouldn't have been that was making very um, inefficient SQL database queries. Um, that was fun. <laughs> you said like three things that I didn't understand in that sentence. Basically, their crawler was DDoSing the wiki. Because it was trying to crawl a page that it was not supposed to crawl. Ah, right. It's basically a page okay. that just calls a bunch of other modules loaded with data, right? So when you update that core module and spreads to you know fifty thousand other pages, it takes a while to do, and it was doing it constantly. Yeah, yeah. So for anyone like not that tech savvy, a, a crawler is like a script or like a, a, a bot that goes and clicks itself through a web page and clicks the follow up links. And like yeah, creates exactly. sort of a a capture of the of the architectural tree of a website or something like that, like a like a content directory sort of. Yeah, but also they're just they're capturing the page right, so that they know what content is on the page to present it back to a search result. Um, but yeah, we we're seeing like CPU usage on the server was one hundred percent. I was just like, what is going on? <laughs> Why is it like? Am I gonna just like more money to like Okay, please f finish your thought real quick, Cyborg, and then Robot. No, I was done. Robot gone. Okay, wait, I didn't. I, was I, saying that I just missed the last couple words because we were talking over each other a little bit. No, sorry. I was just saying that it took us a few days to figure out what's actually going on. Like, we had no idea what all of a sudden the CPU usage on the server started spiking. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, it was uh, yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. How did that happen? Even earlier today, the wiki went down for a little bit and we kind of panicked and had no idea what's going on because it, it went down, then it started working on Edge only, but not in Chrome or <laughs> Firefox. And that was the weirdest thing ever. Like I never, never seen that happen. But eventually it came back online. You guys all use Edge, right? <laughs> yeah, all the time. I mean, if, if they let me uninstall it, it wouldn't even have been <laughs> Dude, that's the best nope. thing when you when you like on on Edge and you search for a Firefox download or something like that, and then Edge literally tells you that there is no need to install a different browser <laughs> than Edge. 
what monopoly? <laughs> I promise, Edge is fine. <laughs> it's actually look, Edge actually gets a bad rap now. It's quite a bit better than it used to be. Oh, it's basically Chromium, is it? Yeah, I'm. St- I mean, I'm still not going to use it, but you know, it's. It's not the best, but it's nowhere near as bad as it was. Like, it, if you were stuck using it, it did still function, whereas in the past it wouldn't have. For a while, it was more reliable at opening my AdSense page than uh, my other browser. <laughs> Chrome didn't optimize that one. Yeah. Oh, their pages crash for me all the time. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Google Pages, yeah. It's weird. Now I wasn't actually using Chrome. I was actually, I think I was on Firefox at that time, but completely converted to Opera now. Again, thing is, right? They're all this, except for Firefox. They're all the same thing under the hood, right? They're all running the Chrome, Chrome thing. Chrome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the funny thing about Opera GX. Like it even runs Chrome uh, plugins, like uh, add-ons. Yeah. Yeah, because it is essentially Chrome under the hood. Same for Edge. Yeah, it's like a skin for Chrome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm quickly going over the topics and see whether there was anything from the topics that we directly prepared. So for, for those of you listening, maybe also people tuning in who wrote on the initial post on the Reddit, I made a post a couple of days ago, I think it was on, on Wednesday, where we asked for... Um, community questions and a lot of the conversation that you've heard in the past 90 minutes or so was based on that like the the talking points that we wrote out were pretty much based on all the feedback that we got from the questions on the questions that we had ourselves and stuff like that so even if we don't like specifically say oh wait person xyz on reddit asked this or that question i hope that if you ask the question that it already got to some degree, more or less answered. Um, but we'll still go over the thread and see whether I can, uh, you know, find anything that I want to answer. But, well, is there anything, is there anything that you guys want to bring up? Anything that you felt needs to be talked about that we haven't talked about yet? I think I saw one of the questions where it was, how can other people, other communities who want to move a wiki away from fandom, how can they do that, right? Right, exactly. Uh, that was a, a branch of question off of like, how did you decide which wiki architecture yeah. to use in the first place? Um, yeah, so maybe if you want to elaborate a little bit on that, I think it's a it's a cyborg question, right? Yeah, maybe. Well, I think we can both talk. Well, to this no, one. I guess um, the, the decision was made twice. Yeah, true. Yeah, um, but yeah, like I so there are you know the the thing to do right is one you need someone who is vaguely technical. I'm not the most technical person out there. I'm not a web developer. I'm not a developer at all. I've run MediaWiki sites in the past, so I have some experience with the software. But it's basically just a PHP stack kind of uh, application, so it's relatively simple compared to some other stuff to get online. Uh, like, you can spin up a $5 server, you can get a basic wiki online. Um, there's lots of documentation, guidance, all that kind of stuff. Um, the thing that you really need, right, is... One, like, why are you doing it? Like, why are you trying to get, why are you trying to either start a wiki, why are you trying to move it away from that kind of thing? You need support, and you need support from people like Robot and the team we kind of have, right? You need 
people who are interested in actually contributing to the project and maintaining this new kind of website. Um, and you need kind of people who, uh, you need the community support. And one of the best things that happened actually was the fact that Robot was able to so effectively rally a really big part of the community towards the project. Um, and I, I don't think, you, you know, that's like, it's such an important thing. And we had so much support from like other tool dev creators. Um, you know, if we look in Google Search Console, we can see we've got hundreds of thousands of backlinks. And some of that was, you know, Reddit changed the wiki link to point from fandom to us. Uh, PREDB linked to us uh, and a bunch of other websites and, you know, community tools kind of uh, linked to us. Right. So we got the community to kind of really help out. And that's absolutely critical. And then we got a core group of people, of contributors, writers, editors, that kind of stuff, who were then able to work on the website. Um, and if you don't have those two kind of things, you're really going to struggle. Um, I don't think, you know, you can move to like what I saw, like wiki.gg. Wiki.gg is actually, I mentioned Donovan earlier. Donovan, who was the CEO of Curse Media, wiki.gg is uh, Donovan's company uh, with Ben, who was the director of Gamepedia. Um, so they're still in the wiki game, right? They're, they're poaching wikis from Gamepedia that they used to, to, to run, uh, which is interesting. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, like it's, it's really all about getting the community support. And that's no easy thing sometimes. For me, the only thing I'd like to add to this is that if you're moving away from fandom, I would recommend not moving into another platform that could turn into fandom, you know, tomorrow, next week, next year, 10 years from now. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Branch out on your own, not. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not crazy expensive, so to speak. Like our wiki is quite massive and because it's such, so data driven, right? It runs on a lot more resources than a normal wiki site, but you can get by with very little funds, so to speak just put a wiki up and not rely on anyone and no one can tell you how to do things. Also, and better, you, no one can monetize it. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like if a wiki is big enough, not ours specifically, but if a wiki, as a wiki gets big enough, it is still possible to like slightly monetize a website with unintrusive ads and have it pay for itself, right? Like you don't have to, like you're not going to make a ton of money unless you do the things that annoy everyone. But like you yeah, can put in tiny banner ads at the top and just be like, that's all we're doing. And it'll make like enough money to pay for your service. At, yeah, at some point. Mind. not at the beginning, but. Like PoE Ninja does it and PoEDB, I believe. They both display ads, right, to pay for their server costs, and that's totally fine. They have Patreons and whatnot. So I think that's totally acceptable. In our case, it was just, it didn't really make logistical sense to do it for, you know, $50, $100 a month to go through all the hassle with taxes and splitting money yeah. eight ways on three continents. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. also like, from my side, there was, from a privacy perspective, I hate online ad advertising. I don't know if you or <laughs> listeners kind of understand how it works, but it is just such a massive breach of privacy. Um, so it, right, the way it works, right, is I go to a web page that makes a number of requests to ad servers. 
those because the advert runs on an auction basis, right? So you make a request to the ad server, so you're sending personal data to that ad server, IP and a cookie, usually. Um, that ad server then sends that request and that personal data to hundreds, literally hundreds of other places who then say, oh, it's this person, I'm going to bid half, half a cent or whatever it is. And so suddenly one, your like, one um, page view has been sent to hundreds and hundreds of third-party services without you knowing about it, without understanding what's been kind of sent. Like, it's real, like, really not good. Um, there's actually there's a really good website that I, I think I shared it at some point with, um, with folks on Reddit. But um, let me just can share it on our little Discord. But there's this little uh, Foo X-ray. And Augustine Foo is a guy who researches ad fraud. Um, and this website kind of shows like the requests that are being made when you visit fandom, right? And you can see like how that one request of fandom suddenly turned into 550 ad server requests, 390 tracking requests. So there is kind of like, you can argue that, you know, you you can make a little bit of money through advertising, but there's the whole kind of uh, argument here, which is actually it's such a massive breach of privacy that it's just not worth you know, whatever money you make from it if you're doing that. Um, but I think that's, you know, it's up to individual kind of uh, content creators to kind of decide how they feel about that. I feel one way, not everyone feels the same way. Um, people use ad blockers to block this kind of stuff happening, even if sites they visit have ads. Um, so there's ways to kind of, you know, deal with that. Um, I'm just going to paste it on Twitch chat. There we go. I can bring it up on the screen. Yeah, just scroll a little bit down and then zoom out. Scroll down, <laughs> yeah, zoom, zoom out. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. I just checked my own website to see how bad mine was. Scroll down. I gotta turn that off, man. That's too much. <laughs> nah, I gotta turn that off. That's that's getting disabled tonight. Uh, yeah, I this, make like $8 wow. a month from that. That doesn't need to wow. be tracking that much data. <laughs> okay, that's crazy. Wait. Can we, uh, what? Can we download Look, mine's, the SVG? Mine's not as bad as it? that. But I'm still sending. Mine's just a website for just just my content. I Like, it's just mine. And I but turned it ads because I was like, why well. not? Some of those requests are legitimate, right? So they're not anything to be concerned about. It's when it does the whole advertising thing and tracking that maybe you yeah. need to look at where those requests are going. Um, but mine it's completely has, normal to have like some requests going elsewhere. Like that's completely normal. Mine has forty-seven ad requests and nine tracking requests, and it's just a website for. I make like eight dollars a month off that. That is not worth. I'm turning that off. That's getting turned off after the podcast tonight. Job here is done. <laughs> I just tell everyone who's visiting your website to visit it ten times as many times, and then it's eighty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you search for the new wiki on this tool, you'll see the difference, right? All oh, right, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Give me a second. I'll bring that up. Um, Presumably, it's nearly impossible to have zero requests go out. Well, yeah, there's going to be. By the way, that like a server works, there's going to be a single request at the very least to the server to serve the page. Um, yeah. And then depending on kind of what resources that page is then requesting, 
uh, you'll have one or more kind of other requests happening. It can oh, be a wow. separate request for images or something, for example. The branch on your website is like two columns long and like this big instead of like. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> oh, wait, no, it, it's still loading, right? There's still something coming up or not. No, there's nothing. Yeah, because it, it goes through the page to make the request, so it takes some time. But yeah, yeah. there's nothing. It's like request at peewiwiki.net and then wikimedia.org. And then, like, that's it. That's the whole thing. It's like wiki stuff. That's it. That's all yeah, the requests probably, sent. It's Very probably ethical. loading the style sheet or something from Wikimedia. I don't remember yeah. exactly what. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that that makes sense. Something that has to do with like the, the, the wiki template. Yeah. yeah, I think it's uh, probably an image on there because what we can do with uh, what works with kind of media, media wiki and Wikipedia, they have kind of centralized kind of uh, basically image kind of repo where you can just use images off their off their system. Yeah, crazy. Well, that was very insightful. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, another problem, though, that I see with uh, with ads on PoE content, and this comes up a lot like on YouTube and uh, also on, on the PoEDB, which is why a lot of times when I look at PoEDB, at least in the past when I looked at it on stream, I was always running an ad blocker, is because the way that the ad bidding and like auctioning off the ads work and stuff like that, the, the people who or the companies that get to advertise I mean, they usually have, it has to be worth it for them, right? To buy the ad. And the most companies that make money off of like putting ads on PoE content are often RMT websites that are trying to sell in game items for real money. Yeah. So actually, that was kind of one of the things that we kind of talked about with Chris when we were kind of opening these kind of discussions is that um, one of the things that GGG kind of noticed is that, um, you know, they've got these big kind of community sites. And their competitors are able to directly target their audience on these third-party sites. So actually, it's really important that, you know, if they've got these big community resources, they're keeping the community in the POE ecosystem, right? Um, so not just kind of the RMT stuff, which is like a very real problem, because they're the people who are directly trying to bid for that kind of traffic, but it's also competitors. Um, so yeah, that was, like, that was actually something that Chris kind of spoke about. I was I was surprised I hadn't even thought about like that whole angle about it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really like with a with a free to play game and stuff like that, there's just not many things outside uh, of these RMT places that really have incentive to, to put paid ads on PoE, right? There's like very, very few people or very few mechanics via which you can monetize on the PoE audience. Other than that, yeah, and I guess there's different types of audiences, right? And this is kind of so. I, I spoke with um, Augustine Fu, who built that website, who uh, that you just showed on stream, right? Um, yeah. And he kind of talks about ad fraud, and you know, there's different audiences. So, if I'm a doctor, for example, I'm a very high value kind of audience uh, versus I hate to say it, but like a typical gamer is probably fairly low value uh, from an advertising perspective, right? Um, there are definitely, you know, if someone's buying insurance or someone is buying a car, they're like a real high value person for advertising. Yeah. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of YouTube creators and, and generally speaking, like the the ad revenue on the finance sector on YouTube is the best. 
Like you get the best CPMs when you're doing finance content, like financial advisory, like, I don't know, the crypto stuff, anything, because that appeals to an audience that has actual like purchase power, right? Yeah. And like those companies will be, will happily spend a thousand plus dollars to acquire a single customer. Um, so they'll be willing to pay like, you know, 10, 20 bucks for a single impression because that customer is so valuable to them. Getting that person into their funnel is so valuable. Hmm. Right. Hmm. If there's nothing left on this topic and you don't mind, then we move on. I really don't know what to say to this, but it's all very insightful and very interesting and very important that this conversation happens because there, I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And there's a lot of like people who don't really understand how these things work. Not because... Well. What? I mean, we've been talking about it for five minutes, and after this podcast, I'm turning off all the ads on my website. So, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is a like, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be that bad. I just uh, let's go on now. See ya. Yeah, it's also obscure by design, right? It's meant to be obscure so people don't understand it, so they don't do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, calling it deceitful would be, I think, slightly too nice a term. <laughs> Still too like, nice. Well, even from like my side as the creator on that, when I decided to turn ads on, my only thought process during that was like, it's going to show random manners to people that might be annoying. Is that worth it? Like, I never considered anything past that. It was just like, oh, this is going to be a banner ad in the middle of my content. Is that worth it or not? And then I was like, yeah, it'll pay for the website. Then it won't be out of my pocket. And like, yeah, okay, sure. I'll turn it on. I didn't know about all this stuff that was happening. And I'm the one that decided to put them on there. And I didn't know. No, oh, and they don't tell you on like very purposely, right? Yeah. Well, because if they did, so. I wouldn't have put it on to begin with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. If, if I knew that, I wouldn't have done it. It's also like it's Google Analytics, right? It's really useful because you get to see how people interact with your website. In the background, one of the things that people will often turn on is the fact that it starts profiling people and using that for the advertising system. Um, mm. So like, that's also like one of the reasons we're kind of pretty anti kind of tracking in that sense that we don't want to be contributing to that ecosystem. I mean, we both work in this field in our day job, so we we do enough damage already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. You're using your work on the wiki as a means to, uh, to you know, counterbalance <laughs> your path that influence. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, I, I don't. I had a good reference, but I don't know it well enough to bring it up. Anyway, um, speaking of cleaning up misconceptions, I think we talked a little bit about like how you know you have helpers and how you have experts on the team who deal with the data mining tools. But something I've seen popping up again and again with the question is that people have the assumption that now that you're hosted on GGG servers, you're somehow like directly extracting the information from GGG themselves from the source and putting it on the website. Um, in a more general like explanation for like people who may not be familiar with how the, the wiki works, how does information generally get onto your wiki? Like it's not directly data mined into the wiki like the data mining happens on PoEDB, right? 
where the the information basically comes directly from the game files. Oh, it's basically the same thing. It is the same thing. Yeah, so we just take, when the patch hits, we take the GGPK, which is um, GGG's custom file format for packaging data, and we start looking at it. There's a whole community effort behind it to, we call it define the tables. It's basically like a huge spreadsheet with references from one table to another table. And then it's up to the community to figure out which tables change, which values became which, and what references what now. And a lot of the times it doesn't change or it doesn't change drastically in between leagues, but sometimes it does. And it's a real problem for a lot of people involved. Like not just for us, but for PoEDB, for PoE Ninja, and all the tool makers. Yeah, so like we have no privileged access to anything, right? We're data mining data that everyone else can data mine. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the some of these some of these chat questions just like slip in to be perfect to ask at appropriate times. So I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna slip in another one that wasn't prepared. Um, I don't know how to say this either. Hefaklol, I think is his name. I don't know how to say that. Um, I think said, it's H Folk. Uh, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, says, I believe it was put in the question as a thread. I was wondering how much of the fundamental stuff that's going to change, change in PoE2. And do you have a plan when that comes out? And will, will we be getting GDG's help? to adjust wikis at all when PoE2 comes out and it becomes a massive overhaul. So that was something that... Sorry, gone robot. Yeah, so I think we can talk a little bit about this. I don't want to... I don't know how else to put it, but I don't want us to put GGG against the wall in this situation, right? But they Mm -hmm. did um, show interest in sharing data with us at some point, but they made it clear that that is something that would take a lot of work to get done, and it's not something that's going to happen soon, right? Yeah, it's not Um, an overnight thing. Yeah. And at the same time, um, before they made it official, they also mentioned that maybe for PoE2, they will decide to go with their own wiki. And they just wanted to make that clear, right? And that's totally fine with us. If they want to do their own thing, that's even better, right? Because it's 100% accurate then. Well, yeah, and I think the thing was, right, the game is going to change so fundamentally that actually there's no point having a site that's wrong up, right? Because once PRE2 yeah, is out, the presumption I have is that PRE1 is no longer really a thing, right? It's just PRE2. Would, it's just a guess. But I, I would guess... 50 to 60% minimum of a wiki becomes irrelevant the day PWE2 comes out. It all becomes wrong information. It's old. Yeah. Some of it will carry through. But at least half, I think, will carry through and still be relevant. But like a lot of changes. <laughs> and like, ooh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> if you think about all the acts, the NPCs, the old ascendancies, why the old ascendancies will still be accessible. But I'd imagine there's also like a massive overhaul to skill gems. Like whatever the patches before yeah. PoE two, there will be a lot of changes, omissions, additions, merging, splitting, whatever you know, like they did with the the hex skills back in in the day. Look, even though actually, I can, 
Like even from like the core like architecture of the game is probably going to change a little bit. So the tooling will have to be entirely rebuilt. Um, yeah. One of the things that kind of, as Robot said, like we have spoken to GGG about getting data. And one of the things that will be great is actually if we do have that data, if we have like a good source of it, we can then help the community access it, right? The wiki has APIs that other tool builders can query and can use to build their tooling in their systems. Um, so that that potentially isn't, is, it's a net win for us, right? But it's potentially a net win for the community as well because they have a clean source of data. Um, I, I don't want to put words in GGD's mouth here, right? I'm, this is an assumption that I have. It's not something we've explicitly talked about with them, but those capabilities kind of exist and could be possible. My understanding from all of that is that they're not they're not hard against it as an idea, but it's like helping directly and giving you in, information directly. They're not like outright no, but also it's a little harder than that and a little more complicated. So like it might happen, it might not. But we're not against it. It just you know it's I it's think, a thing. <laughs> I think also what people need to understand is that we can only data mine the game because GGG allows us to. If they wanted to, they could completely um, prevent us from data mining the game and getting access to all this information. Yeah, like the information we have is only what they allow us to see, right? Yeah. That's what, and we, we know this just from a user side because sometimes they don't want us to know something. So they keep it on the servers and it doesn't ever end up being unpacked and you can't data mine it and no one knows and they just, it just doesn't appear. I guess an example yeah, there would be the, the Legion Jewel seat numbers yeah. that weren't like data mineable. We had two to figure years out how for to, people to crack. Yeah, how yeah. the code works. Even vendor recipes, right? There's recipes that weren't found for months. Um, yes. kind of, I guess from like their point of view, that was probably quite an interesting and exciting thing. It's like getting that community discovery of the content. Um, so we're not just like, you know, when League, one of the things that used to be really fun um, when there was kind of a new league back in the day, you know, 10 years ago, right? So there would be new uniques, but they weren't all announced. And so people had to discover them. Um, and I think a little bit of that magic was lost as soon as, you know, data mining got more serious because suddenly everything was out there and available from day one. And we kind of lost the magic of discovering stuff as a community. Also, a question that we get asked quite often is if GGG gets to decide something that doesn't show up on the wiki, and the answer to that is no. Like, we made it pretty clear when we made the agreement for them to host that we want the wiki to stay the way it is. Like The information that is on the wiki will always be on the wiki. If they if they want something not in the wiki, they have to make it not data mineable, not a, not available, and when when you figure it out, it'll appear there. Yeah, yeah. But also, again, they do understand the value the wiki brings, right, to the game as a whole and to them as a business. And actually, I think there's one thing that we've not really talked about. It's like, so we have kind of editorial control over what we can have on the wiki. So. You know, in the past, Omega, I know, has been very careful to, you know, he's got access to the data systems, he can data mine everything. And there's been a few instances where he's not really kind of loaded stuff in too early that he could have that maybe gives people the wrong impression. So there is also that kind of stuff on our side where, you know, we can put everything in, but sometimes, you know, we don't want to because it's not necessarily kind of 
true or maybe people will interpret it the wrong way or something so there is a little bit of kind of editorial uh kind of control in that sense that we have ggd haven't asked us to do this right um but i know kind of in the past like thinking back years like PRADB was not popular with ggg like it they had problems with it right um so you know we have to be careful from a data mining perspective it's different now obviously because they're much more aware that it's happening but in the past it has been a little bit of a problem I guess it does change the 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 rules of the game that you're playing as a game designer sort of like when you know you have to build around that site existing and being able to extract like almost all information from your game that you don't specifically protect against it yeah I see Zaro in the uh, in the chat just being an absolute hero and answering questions as well um, around the data. He's he knows the data. I think probably better than anyone outside of GGG and maybe Tran. Yeah, Tran and Joey DB probably is very knowledgeable on this stuff too. Right. Yeah. So, for example, there's. Um skills that aren't used in the game or MTX or stuff like that that we just don't uh, like we exclude it from going on the wiki because it's not technically in the game right just because it's there in the files yeah, it could be something that maybe they plan on releasing in like six months or just didn't suit the current thing but the files exist that sort of thing yeah exactly yeah, there's some yeah. there's some pretty funny ones like we've seen um I don't remember if it was some skill, some animation or something with do not use underscore animation name. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> like a leftover file. So this is, yeah, but because... these are things that were always done, right? Like even before GDG was hosting or whatever, like you just always yeah, because... make it like that doesn't exist. We're just not going to put it in. People don't need because to be reading that. Because the way that. we export the data is all done in bulk, right? So our tooling doesn't discriminate between a skill that is in the game and a skill that we know is not in the game, right? If it exists in the files, it's going to export it and send it to the wiki. So so is is that the weirdest skill name you've seen is just do not use? Or have there been uh, like some really weird like leftover, I don't know what you call them, artifacts almost? Oh, for example, like Blade Trap has been in the game for, well, ever since I first seen the the content of the GGPK, it's been there basically, but it hasn't been used, right? Yeah. I don't even That's remember really cool. what league it came out um, officially, but I do remember that even back in Expedition, it was there and probably way before that. Yeah, yeah I'm not very close to the data side of stuff, so I don't have too many answers on that bit, but yeah. Um, speaking to Omega, uh, Omega basically did all the data mining for the wiki for years. And he, yeah, I think I saw a question, you know, have we always kind of exercise this editorial control? Yeah, like there's, there's always been a good reason to, to, you know, to not leak stuff that isn't in the game and cause confusion in the player base. Yeah. That does make sense. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about divination cards? Drop locations. I think a lot of people are not aware that there is a, a, a Discord server that's called Diffcord. I, I don't know who created it. I know that Sir Gog brought it up first on our podcast, and I think he's plays some sort of role in there. At least he is a frequent poster on there. Um, the, the Diffcard drop locations are not um, 
data mineable or are they? They're not. Like no drop locations of anything is data mineable. Um, so there's Bifcord and then there's kind of Blackson that I mentioned earlier. They like an absolute fucking champion. They get all of this. They like they're in that Discord server and they're constantly kind of updating pages to uh, to help make that information available. Uh, but it's yeah, it's not data mineable. It's all manual process. Yeah, it's basically a server, and they get like you know a hundred thousand stack decks and start opening them, gather all the data, and map it out. See the probability of this and that, and then they also figure out which cards drop in which maps. This is just 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 more perfect positioning of like questions from chat. Um, this 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 rolls into um, gun attack. Asked question earlier. It was like question for the wiki staff: How are the percentage drops for boss stuff obtained, and why can't we use these methods for currency shards and harbingers and other stuff they're not used for? Is that because it's all manual? It's all that's all stuff gathered by people. You don't actually have any of that data. Yeah, that's all right. just manual stuff. And yeah, then, so maybe actually we need to put more asterisks next to that to not give people the wrong impression, right? Yeah, and so is there, this This is just me extending on that, is there some sort of like, like, what, what's the best way to phrase this? What stops me from just saying, this is one in 200,000? Like, is there, a, is there a process for that? Like, Someone's going to call you out. Eventually, someone calls you out. <laughs> someone who actually has some it's data, just, at least. It's just peer uh, review yeah. becomes obvious. <laughs> Oh, generally, we, you know, like Cyborg said earlier, we take your word for it. Like, we assume best intentions. But we also found that people are pretty quick to call out other people who are blatantly wrong or just trying to spread misinformation. Because there's always yeah. someone out there that knows more than you do, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's actually that's one thing that's really interesting about the game is just, I mean, is there market manipulation in the game? Probably. Um, oh, Absolutely. So, like, are people probably trying to game the wiki sometimes? Probably. Hmm. you have any fun anecdotes about stuff like that? Is there any, like, stories that you no, want to share? Spotted, so maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. probably also don't want to give people too much of an idea what, what you, like, what, what kind of methods you have to, uh, to detect such... Um, Missing with the page, yeah. And to be honest, like you know, people will keep us honest as well. If stuff is wrong, people will tell us or they'll update it themselves, right? So, um, you know, hopefully, stuff doesn't end up being wrong for too long. Um, if it is wrong, hmm. okay. So, so the idea is people are going to keep you. Basically, people people keep it up to date. People will let you know when things are wrong. What? Is there is there even a a way? What do you do about guaranteeing, or at least trying to guarantee as best you can, that it doesn't end up as bad as the last one? Because the idea is everyone abandoned the last one. No one was updating it. That's why it's so shit. What well, stops you from there, going right? that way? So the problem there is that actually Omega kind of got fed up with doing all the data mining, and he left, and no one else picked it up, right? Um, and because 
suddenly the data was incorrect and was incorrect for a long time. Editors kind of lost confidence in the project and stopped kind of doing it. And then further compounded by like fandom, just switching the skin and forcing tons of ads on the page. Uh, so there's a cold kind of like avalanche of stuff that happened that caused problems. Um, and the way to come and combat that is just to make sure that, you know, it's not just me, it's not just robot. There's a whole team of people who are interested and who uh, know how to update stuff. So it's sh- making sure data, like information is really shared across kind of everyone. There's no like, you know, I'm not the only admin on the wiki. There are many admins, they can all do the same stuff that I can kind of thing. Um, so if the, if I left for whatever reason, someone else can pick up the work or we can promote someone else to an admin or whatever we need right. to do. Right? So it's just kind of making sure that we have that kind of, and this is why kind of getting more people into the projects is so kind of critical and key is that we want to make sure there's as much knowledge about how the system's going to work to spread out amongst as many people as possible so that if whatever reason someone, you know, life gets in the way, right? Um, if someone stops working on it on the project, someone else can pick it up. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we tried really hard to make everything community focused and open source and try to um get help get people to help us out, right? Like we try to make it as approachable as possible, but we don't want to keep that knowledge exclusively. Like we want people to know what we know so they can do what we do. Yeah. Yeah, basically kind of avoid monopolizing the, the whole thing and, and also make it so that if you for some reason decide in the future that you want to retreat from it and like play less PoE, do less work on it, that it's still something that keeps going. Yeah. We like you just we don't want a single point of failure, right? Um the system needs to be fairly robust so that any one person can leave and it still kind of carries on working. That's what I really love about open source. <laughs> It's like even if if the the original creator drops the ball, like people can pick it up if it's something that's useful to more. Yeah, definitely. And like we see that right with the with the data mining uh, stuff. Uh, Robot, you kind of did that visualization, didn't you? That kind of showed like how many contributors had kind of worked on the uh, on the PyPo kind of tooling. Um, so like, yeah, yeah we can find it. Yeah, another example that, that what I was thinking of actually was uh, the path of building project that OpenAL started, and then there's like this whole team around local identity that maintains the path of building software that they didn't originally conceive. They didn't originally make that, but it's become or stayed such a relevant community tool for so long because uh, yeah, the original creator, after retreating from the project, uh, made it very accessible for everyone else. Yeah, and yeah, also, you, you know, can... like, GGG, again, like, stepped in and helped provide some data to make that kind of process kind of work, right, with the uh, the JSON files they dropped before every kind of big release. True. Yeah, you can see that video I shared in the group chat. It's like a 10-minute long video that is like a um, visualization of the contributions to the data mining tool, basically from the beginning. All right. Oh, like... I'm keeping that. I'm going to watch that later. Just keep that <laughs> running here. It's a visualization, so it's got something nice to look at while we're talking. Perfect. 
Um, speaking of visuals, the segue. Uh, no, like people have asked about the the skin of the wiki. Someone, and that's something I didn't realize. But someone said that it looks uh, very much like the original one. And then uh, in the thread, there was someone from you guys. Yeah, Bowie actually said that they that you guys didn't want to change the overall look of the wiki because you don't want people to to be thrown off by it looking very different. Um, but there is plans that you have in mind for the future for the visuals. Yeah. And so my, my question would be the follow up to that. Like, well, how, how do you want to redesign the page? Are there any like future things that you have planned for the page that you would like to talk about? I think I guess Robot can kind of talk to this because he's done some kind of preliminary work, but it's the site right now, right? We know that it's not very mobile accessible. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, kind of the the one kind of key area. Um, but there is a lot to be said for kind of familiarity, right? Um, if you know what the wiki looks like and you know where to find the information, it is many times more useful to you. Um, so we, you know, changing it for the sake of changing it is not a very good or smart thing to do. And this is one of those things that if you're going to change it, you're going to have people who liked it and they're going to be mad. And then you have people who like the change, and they're going to be happy. And then if you don't change it, you have people who like it, and they're going to be happy, and people who don't like it, and they're going to be mad. Yeah. Uh, so it's okay. it's pretty tricky like situation, right? And has to be handled quite carefully, because we also didn't want to do what fandom had just done to the wiki, right? Where you're just risking everything, and people don't know where to find anything anymore. Yeah, uh, alienating your user base. Yeah, but basically we started doing some work to make the wiki mobile friendly, at least, and, you know, make a little bit of a more modern um, UI in general. Hmm. When I used it on my mobile, I didn't notice it as specifically mobile unfriendly or anything. I mean, sure, it looks like the regular web page, but it works fine. Even on my very dated smartphone, I was able to navigate it quite well. Yeah, no, I mean, I think a lot of it, right, it depends on the page that you're on. We're going to have challenges. So things like tables with a lot of content, those are just not, fundamentally, they're not things that work on mobile, right? So we need to be reasonable about, you know, we can optimize pages to work, but there's just some elements that, you know, you're better off looking on desktop. Yeah, and as far as the visual design goes of the, the page, there's also, like, some certain characteristics of how how a wiki supposed to look in the mind of people who visit a wiki like it wouldn't probably be wise to deviate too much from like the standard wiki look with the bar on the left side and uh, and the search field on the top right and so on yeah no there's like there's like familiarity is like one of the key kind of i mean i'm not a ux person but you know i've worked adjacently for a long time and you know looking at data and stuff right but ux and familiarity like if you know where stuff is going to be found, you're going to be more successful at finding the information you want, right? So if you know that uh, a wiki page will have an info box uh, in that kind of top right corner, um, you know where to find that, and you know that that's going to be some kind of key information, right? So you know where to look. If we suddenly decide that actually we want to put that somewhere else, we're going to cause a hell of a lot of confusion. Um, and like you see that all the time, right? With big kind of redesigns, like if you think about, you know, when Facebook do redesigns and stuff. Reddit. 
It's just yeah. the reddest. Like, it's it's, it's such a minor change, and it even looks better from an objective point of view. I still find myself always like I'm typing the dd.reddit.com for the oh. old dark Reddit. Um, a funny thing, recently we just moved the alternate skill gems from the info box. If you remember, we used to have the one, two, three buttons, right? That shows the different. Uh, oh, you don't have that anymore? Okay, where gems. is it now? We moved it into a table just below the info box. So you can see all the alternate qualities at once. You don't have to click on them. Obviously, we've had people who were really mad about that. They got mad because they can't find it anymore and they had to search for it. And yeah, I think now we're just using both, like both options, both in the info box and the table. But yeah, that was a big deal for people. I'm going to bring up a skill gem page. Clicking myself there, we go for Absolution. Because it's the first one on the list. <laughs> okay. It can be anything that has alt Wait, quality. But there's still the clicking things. Yeah, so we actually yeah, brought both back because people were complaining. Oh, right. Oh, so, sorry. And we also, we also kept the table part. below it. <laughs> Where's the table? Uh, oh, right. it's gem quality. It's a separate uh, section yeah. in the yeah. article. Nice. Yeah, so hopefully you know, that kind of makes it easier for people to kind of find that information. Yeah, and it's also a lot more obvious for people who uh, are not familiar with the concept of alternate gem quality or gem quality to begin with when they like start playing the game and they look up the skill gem that they use and they browse down. It's a lot more intuitive to to like browse and or like scroll down and read every section then having to click like a little thing on the side that that's yeah, not we've had obvious. a lot of people telling us that the wiki doesn't have the alternate quality mm -hmm. on the gems and they're like what do you mean it does it also <laughs> before it used to be like one two three right in a box so yeah. it's not very clear so yeah but by making that one change we got more feedback from the community and decided that we keep the old way and improve that a little bit and also put the new way in it doesn't hurt right Yeah no I'm um, no pain so far no I like it it's great It's it's especially because I I was not aware of this like just a maybe I'm wrong Maybe my brain is mixing up things because uh, like the three button superior anomalous divergent versus the old one with the one two three. When did you make that change? Because I, I think this league I looked it up and it wasn't there, right? Something yeah, it was recently. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you can you can see right. It's all on the wiki, right? So if you are you logged in right now? Yes, I am. Can so I go and recent changes up here? Up. If you if you scroll up and you go to edit, edit. All oh, right, and you get the history of the page basically. Well, so this is where like you start going into little uh, systems, and so this change isn't on the page right. This change will be at the template level. So if you scroll down, yes, alternate uh, skill effect list. I guess. So if you not if you don't scroll down that content yet, so that list right. Oh, that so, list. Yeah, yeah, that's wait, the white Ooh, thing. Where is it going to be? Uh, it'll probably be at the module level rather than the template level. Um, but like, you can actually see when the templates themselves are being edited based on if you then click through on the template pages, you can start seeing like the the weird little background right kind of stuff that happens to generate these pages and the way that they work. Isn't there like a, a quality? It'll be like module item quality. Probably. 
It'll probably think. be module item. Module item? Okay, wait. I, I, you know more than I do. Module item two? Uh, yeah, that'll be the one. So that's kind of an example of like a Lua uh, template, right? And so that's where we're having to use slightly more advanced scripting to generate slightly more advanced templates. Um, and all of these are documented, as you can see, on the wiki itself, right? So there is documentation about how to use templates and modules. Right. Um, and I mean, yeah, for the... So then look, if you look at like the edit history of this page, then you'll start seeing, you know, when those kind of changes were made. Ah, okay. That's so if I go here, itself. basically. So... Well, this, I mean, this I, leads me to a slightly off-topic question. Go for How it. many times have you or someone in the team had to ban someone from making changes? Can you ban someone from making changes? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, oh, there was a really funny one, right? There was this was years ago, uh, but I found, I found the screenshot. Oh, I found the message they sent me afterwards. There's a dude who was pretending to be Ziggy D. Uh, I think like his username was like Ziggy D TV or something on the wiki. Um, yeah. So I banned him because, you know, pretending to be a well-known streamer is not kind of cool. Um, he sent me a message on Facebook, uh, like this long bloody thing. <laughs> and then like sent a follow-up. It's like, I hope you feel embarrassed now or something like that. It's just like absolute nut job. Um, so yeah, he'd, like I found that uh, message again recently. I shared it to the admin team just because it made me laugh. But yeah, he's now some developer working at Ubisoft. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we don't we don't often ban people. There's no real reason to. We've had some bot issues, but that was about it. Unless you really go out of your way to be, you know, uh, like to do something, yeah, to be malicious. There's no reason. Yeah, and we've not really seen anyone like other than. SEO spam, right? We've not really seen anyone vandalize the site purposely recently. That's good. Yeah. That's something that I would worry about. I mean, you can always roll it back. Obviously, all the changes are documented. would still be a lot of work that, that someone could cause by going on a spree like that. Yeah, I mean, it's actually, you know, the, the software makes it relatively trivial to kind of uh, unroll, like undo the, the changes that someone has made if they're malicious. Um, like if if I was as one person just decide I hate your website, I've logged in. I'm, I'm decide I'm just going to go and change, and I change like 150 pages in a day, just in hate with all wrong information. It's pretty easy for you to just look at a list and just be like, "Hey, this is hang on, this is the third page in a row from this guy. Let's see what other things he's done today," and be like, "Oh, big list." Undo, 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 undo. Yeah, exactly. It really is literally as trivial as like undo, 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 right? Um, I believe I can, also when you ban someone, you can undo all their changes with one click. Oh, nice. So if you, if you do get bad apples, it's pretty easy to get rid of them. That's nice. Yeah, no, it's uh, definitely the... Because obviously the software is used to run Wikipedia. Um, they spend a lot yeah. of time and energy to make sure that there's kind of good admin tools in that respect. Uh, 
you already elaborated at length uh, why it would be not smart to deviate from like the standard sort of style or layout for for a wiki too much. But one specific idea or suggestion that was brought up was um, a comparison to the Blender wiki, if I remember. And the specific uh, suggestion was organizing the wiki more like a book, as in like a you know table of contents with like different topics and sort of that there's a start and end to it. Uh, have you thought about something like that at all? J just for the sake of bringing up the question, because I don't want the person to feel left out, because I thought it was a good suggestion and I've not been presented with like alternative ways of building wikis. Um, so, I mean, I'm familiar with that kind of documentation from kind of other places. Um, you know, I haven't really thought about it much in this context, right? But um, it's maybe something we could try out and kind of reach out to the community see if it's something they like and they want. Um, I think there's, there's, this is kind of where it goes back to kind of the different levels of kind of knowledge about the game, right? So some like people like yourselves, you know what you're looking for. Um, so you'll search specifically for that one thing and you probably won't go through the page and go through the navigation. You'll just go straight to search and you'll look for that one thing. Mm. If you're new to it, we kind of want to guide through to kind of, you know, here's this concept like maps and everything related to kind of maps and how those kind of things work. So it's, I mean, there's different ways of doing it. That kind of way that you're showing right now is really nice and clean and works really well for documentation from like a technical perspective. Does it work from like a more editorial perspective? I'm not really sure. Um, but it's definitely stuff that we could explore. I guess it would also be kind of hard to, to, to do it, uh, in a way where you present the information uh, neutrally, like where you don't attach values to the different points of information. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether that's a bad or a bad thing to do in general, but I mean, I guess you sort of want to present the information objectively without like saying, okay, th this is important, this is what you should look at, and this doesn't matter. Or... I don't yeah, know. exactly. Because everything is important to someone, right? Like Cyborg was saying that for different levels of players, there's different things that interest them. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what I wanted to say. It would kind of be forcing a certain sort of perspective onto the viewer. In the same way that GGG says they, they want to keep things as open as possible in the game, right? They want to present the player with a number of tools that they can work with to build their character, but they don't want to specifically steer people into direction A or direction B. They'd rather want people to figure things out. And so that's what I was wondering. When, like, when you restructure the wiki like that, you'd be undoubtedly putting like a unique point of view or a specific point of view onto it and, and be sort of imposing that point of view onto the, the viewer. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of... It's a responsibility that we kind of have to think about, right? If we start pushing people towards a certain type of content, what, you know, we're really heavily trafficked kind of... And I think this is something that you guys have to think about, right? It's kind of content contributors and streamers. If you're pushing people in direction, you know, you have to bear the responsibility of that kind of stuff. So you have to think about the repercussions potentially. Um, I don't think there's anything negative right in this context, but if I'm pushing people towards a certain type of content, does that influence that behavior? Actually, that would be, um, this would be thinking like the stuff I do for work, right? If I push people towards a certain type of, uh, you know, map kind of, uh, you know, if I, if I want people to be doing, looking at blight content, right, can I influence the behavior in a way that is then measurable in the game afterwards? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to experiment on people, but um, there's probably some interesting things to kind of think about in there. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd assume the answer. Yes. yes, 100% yes, I mean, to some degree. Because um, Neversync also has to contend with a lot of those things because he's trying to make filters as good as possible. But also, like, if he leaves something off the filter, suddenly that becomes more expensive. He, in fact, I would say Neversync has the single largest potential to affect the market of anyone in existence. Yeah, like there, there isn't anyone who could do a better job. He doesn't, and he tries very hard to not accidentally. But, yeah, like different tool creators, the, the wiki included, would definitely have the ability to do that if it was given to the wrong person. Yeah. If, if, somebody, if somebody that was the wrong person was suddenly in charge, you could cause a lot of problems. You could cause a lot of ones that directly benefit you. Yeah, it kind of it goes back to that kind of market manipulation thing, right? And I, I guess it, yeah. you see the the effect really commonly with streamers when they share a popular build or build that becomes popular because they're sharing it. You see the items yeah. that they're using shoot up in price. Um, so, like, if a, you know if someone was being smart and working with the streamer, yeah, sometimes not always, right? Um, but they could kind of very easily kind of manipulate the market in that context. This is this has happened to me a bunch. Um. Most recently was last league. I was way in front, way in front on getting the, um, oh, I've forgotten the name of it, the chest, Cloak, the ID's items. Cloak of Tom Isley or something like that. Yeah, Cloak of Tom Isley. I was um, <laughs> 20C or something when I bought it. And then it was 60 exalts within two days. And I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. And I knew I was going to buy the chest three days before I did. And like I knew that was coming, and everyone in my team knew that was coming, and all my mods knew that was coming because we were planning the build, and we didn't go and buy twenty of them, which we could have done. Like we knew we could have just could have just done that, just click our fingers and had tons and tons of money because I knew I knew what was going to happen, but we didn't go out and do that. We bought I bought one, and my friend who was also making the exact same build. We were both building it together. We bought one each for our builds and we did not buy any for profit at all because we're just like, I don't know, something doesn't sit right. Like something, like, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's something ethically wrong there, right? Like there's something, hmm. Yeah, we need need POE, SEC. (laughs) I think it has something to do with the fact that you're, um, you're trying to build a brand and that you're trying to be like a like a integral part of the community and like sort of not like use any deceitful techniques or something like that and not abuse your power. But if you were just yeah. a power gamer and you weren't like trying to monetize the content that you make, I don't think it would be a big problem to to like buy a bunch of those and then make content that popularizes them and then sell it off. It just have a bad taste if yeah, if you abused your audience that you built in a different way specifically to make in-game gains. Yeah, yeah some, something sums. Yeah, and that's just, and I'm just like a, a small content creator. I'm not even medium, and I, I had that much impact on the market. Like, it was a massive impact. I can't imagine what something like Wikipedia could do if they wanted to. Like, it'd be insane. Well, I think there's uh, there's actually a study that came out recently, right, about LinkedIn running 
experiments on who how they presented connections to people, like um, getting people to connect with more people they knew or versus people they didn't know. And from an ethical perspective, right, what they were doing is affecting people's ability to find work. So they like LinkedIn's experimentation had a material impact on people's livelihoods. Um, so that, that came out, I think, um, earlier this week uh, or maybe last week. So there's been some real interesting stuff around that recently. Right. Uh, the same person who had the, the book suggestion also had a question, actually a number of questions, really a big shout out Rainforest Mirage, uh, tons of contributions here. Uh, we already talked about the data mining, uh, mining stuff and like the implications of the, uh, um, of the official GDG hosting and uh, you always sort of moderating what kind of content makes it onto the wiki and what doesn't. So I think that one's um, sufficiently answered or addressed. A question that we didn't bring up at all is like, how do you decide on default pages? Like, I think what they're saying is if you search rage on the page, then there's the rage support gem, but there's also the rage mechanic itself. So like sometimes you have four to five pages competing for the same keyword space, what they specifically said. How, how do you decide on which one gets ranked, which way, like which one gets shown? So you, there's this concept of disambiguation pages on Wikipedia and our, on our wiki, right? So if there is something like that where there are many pages that might fit that search term, we'd probably just create a page called Rage. And then within that page, it's like, did you mean this or this or this or this? Um, so that's actually kind of like a solved problem almost on wikis uh, through the concept of like disambiguation pages. And we don't have it for everything. We have it for some examples. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a thing that is it's kind of solved, I guess. Well, I guess the question is like, like which one gets ranked higher or something like that. But I think it's probably just alphabetical, right? Um, okay. Or like, I don't know. I don't even know. Like, I know Vinny's created a bunch of these. I don't know how he ranks them, but I don't think it. Sorry, gone. If, if it helps, I just checked three instances and they were all alphabetical with a thing at the top saying, did you mean these other options? So I think so. Yeah. And it's also like we make it clear, like, did you mean, you know, this skill or this other thing, this item or whatever, right? So we assume that the person searching for the thing kind of knows what they're looking for at that point. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I also misunderstood the question there. It does seem like I, I never ran into a problem where I was wondering whether I'm seeing the page that I'm supposed to be seeing or a wrong one. It yeah. Feels and also always like on the rage page, I think there was also a bit at the top that says for the rage support gem, click here. Yes. Right? Yes. That mentions it. I like the frenzy one. The frenzy just directly links to the attack and doesn't say that there are frenzy charges. But it, I mean, it directly introduces the frenzy charges right here. So I guess yeah, there's no point. Yeah, there's saying. a link right there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and like with a lot of this stuff, right, we know we're not perfect. We try to do stuff in a way that is we think useful and informative. But if someone has a better option, like just sign up and do it, right? Um that's the nice thing about this kind of website is anyone can, can go and make those edits. 
Yeah, this yeah, or, is pretty much subjective. I mean, I guess I wouldn't go as far as to directly go and make that edit, but if I had a good idea of how to restructure things, like uh, it would be great to get in touch and to to start a discussion at least. Yeah, for sure. And you know, we've got a we've got a Discord channel that you know we've got a suggestions kind of place, and you know, if people have those changes or they're not comfortable, um, there's we have to balance it, right? So we and I think I'm, I feel quite strongly about this because I've worked on it for a number of years, right? We are we're all. Uh, contributors, no one's getting paid. We're doing this out of goodwill because we're interested. So we don't want to be in a position where people are saying, change this, change that, change this, right? Um, so, but we do want people to kind of come in and give us valuable feedback. And we want to kind of try help people kind of self serve almost and make those changes and be empowered to, to do that kind of stuff as well. Um, so it's, that's kind of a fine balancing act, right? That we have to kind of juggle. Yeah. No, I really like this. This is uh, great. You, you guys are so well spoken and so uh, in, it's such an informative podcast. I mean, obviously, I'm not contributing as much as usual. Babalor probably also not as much, but it's great to give the podium to you guys and to actually hear about all these things from the behind the scenes perspective. And uh, yeah, I, I just really enjoy hearing that you guys are so mindful and you're so open. To, to different ways of thinking about those things. And at the same time, already... that, comes from our, that comes from our real kind of world like work experience as well, right? We will work in kind of tech kind of, uh, I think most of us kind of work in tech and we kind of, we're mindful and conscious of this kind of stuff and we apply what we know outside of Path of Exile to Path of Exile. Um, but yeah, really, really appreciate just the podium and the platform to be able to come speak to the community through your, through this podcast. Um, it's, you know, I've, been behind the scenes in the community for a long time um, but it's really nice to kind of even just be asked to kind of speak right even if i didn't do it just having someone be interested is really nice yeah and at that point once again shout out to your project manager who uh started the connection by reaching out to Balor and me via email um, yeah it's great really uh, cool on 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 that note maybe Maybe if he's not listening, uh, maybe apologize for me for not ever replying to his email. I definitely read it. It's it's actually that email when he reached out is the reason I even gave the new wiki a chance. Because at the beginning, I just lumped it in with, I'm like, ah, Peewee wikis, right? Like, Peewee wikis have been trash for years now. I'm not fucking moving to another one. Why would I? It's because of that email, I gave it a chance and actually worked on it. And I was like, oh, I actually like this thing. And then I just never, ever responded to the email because I'm a <laughs> terrible person. Well, but the thing is, the thing is, it became my responsibility as soon as you sent me the screenshot. Because while we were both <laughs> being emailed about this, you were the one who actually saw the email. And in my inbox, it just rotted or got sorted into spam. I've never <laughs> seen the actual email. I've only had your screenshot. But what I was unaware of was when you sent me the screenshot, the email was already like almost two weeks old or something like that. I know I know on the screenshot, it was like, like 10 days. Eight or nine but I don't days know, or something. Yeah. I don't know whether you made the screenshot at the same time that you Send it to me, but yeah, I and did. then then I just made a mental note. Hey, I want to I want to answer to this. It would be really cool to make an episode focused around the PoE wiki and to have like guests <laughs> who actually work on it, and uh, it'd be so cool. And then I just completely forgot about it. <laughs> always in the back of my head, but whenever I was actually managing emails or like reaching out to people for guests and stuff like that, it was in in the wrong sort of corner of the 
of my brain, my very, very, uh, my, my brain, which has a lot of uh, rooms and uh, corridors and, and chambers. And yeah, it's a, <laughs> no, the it's problem. a complicated, complicated <laughs> brain. But now that you've been on, it's, I'm going to be more mindful of this. I'm going to be more uh, aware that if there's things to talk about that involve the wiki, or in some way related to it that you guys are both very cool to have on. Um, I think we ran through most of the questions. I, I just wanted to make sure that I got everything addressed that was on the AMA post on the Reddit because it wasn't that much. So I'd be really ashamed if afterwards there were people who felt like I didn't bring up any of their talking points. That's what I mean, right? Because... It's not at the point where I can reasonably say, oh, it was too much to keep track of. But I do appreciate it. I'm happy. A lot of people. I don't mind saying I've got nothing better to do today. Might go for a walk later. That's not very exciting. Yeah. um, Is there anything that you guys want to still talk about? Anything that you want to bring up? I know we've been we've been going for a little bit over two hours. We generally try to keep these between two and three hours. But we've really not given you guys a whole lot of chance to talk about anything else but the wiki you want to like share some opinions on the current direction on the of the game or like your hopes or uh, or, or if also, you don't want to <laughs> also besides the the visual changes for the wiki like any future ambitions hopes I, I don't know whether we talked about that at length or whether we branched off into different but like maybe you have some some super pog feature that you have coming up that you want to work on I mean, getting the data from GGG is like the like the thing that we want, right? That's the next step. Uh, when we started out the whole the project uh, together, we had kind of like three things we wanted to do. One was like getting it officially recognized and hosted by GGG, or getting support with hosting, so officially recognized hosting support. Third one was that data piece. Um, so that's still like that's the thing we're chasing, um, and we hope like okay, it's going to help us, but we hope it also ends up helping the community because. Like I said, we have APIs that they can then query to to help build the tools and the systems that then go on to help the rest of the community in other ways. Mm. What's PI in that context? Been, sorry. Sorry. Um, there's been talks about you know integrating the wiki into the game up to a certain point, and we'd love to explore this, but yeah, that's something that needs to happen from GGG, and it needs to come from them, right? But yeah, I would love to explore this is, and is find it, a way to make it work. Is there any option to be uh, integrated into one of the PoE um, third-party softwares? Like, it was, would there be any way that, like, say, Awaken PoE Trade can pull information directly from the wiki to display when you hover an item yeah. or something like that? I think they already do. Like, for example, in POB, if you hover a unique item or a skill gem and press F1, it's going to open the wiki page for that item. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, I got to try that. Also, um, oh, I can't remember if it was Awakened PoE Trade or PoE Overlay. One of them, you can hit, like, Control-Alt-W when you're on an item. If it's a unique item or a skill gem or something, it'll just go straight to a wiki page. Yeah, those those things already exist, and they used to go to the old wiki pages. Those, Pog, those sort of systems have existed for a while. Oh, that's so cool! And they used to go to fandom, and none of them go to fandom anymore because, for obvious yeah, reasons, the same. the same with linking unique items on Reddit, for example. Now that bot also links to our wiki. Um, Pure yeah. Ninja yeah. also links to the wiki. 
Yeah, PoEDB as well. They changed their links to. You know, we we've been really lucky. We've had so much support from the wider community on this project. Well, I uh, mean, and is that luck? Like that that sort of support only happens if you give a good product. Well, hopefully, really? yeah. <laughs> like if it was, if it was as unreliable and bad as the fandom one, no one would have bothered, right? Like you wouldn't have got other support. Yeah, I like guess it, so. it's it's a very good community in general. This league aside, uh, but they're very happy to abandon a project or a tool that is terrible. Like if it if it's terrible and it's not doing the thing they want and it's not trustworthy, they will. We the, the entire community will just abandon something. They'll just leave. They'll just be like, nope. And so that that isn't happening because it's actually a good tool. So. Yeah, no, it's it's been great to see. Um, yeah, it's, uh, the uh, sentiment this league has been interesting, to say the least. <laughs> Have you found? Uh, I mean, that's completely besides the the point of the the PoE Wiki podcast. But I'm really curious. Have you played a lot this league? Has you Have you enjoyed the game? Or what is your your take on it? As someone who's been playing since you know back in the day, eleven years ago. I'm super, super casual, right? So I'm just, I've, I'm playing a little bit at the moment. I'm in yellow maps. I'm casual as hell. Um, I'm not looking to spend hours every day. Like I'm, I've spent maybe like 20 hours this league. Um, so I'm super casual. The game is fun and enjoyable for me. Like the bit that I really enjoy, and I'm, I'm weird, right? I really enjoy the first few acts. Like that's the bit where I see like the most kind of character progression, yeah. And you see like the most impactful kind of change, and that's the stuff that I really enjoy seeing. Yeah, um, before I because I built stuff, my yeah. build in a really terrible way. Um, so that's kind of like the area that I really enjoy. Um, but like, I, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm within or outside the norm, but that's like my like that's how I play. Um, yeah, I know Robot is a lot more uh, knowledgeable and hardcore about the end game than I am. <laughs> Yeah, robot. Robot been playing. Yeah, so I've been playing a week, the first week or two of the league, and I really wanted to like the league. Like I love PoE, right? But sometimes it's just not fun, and that was the case this league. And I just stopped playing, to be honest. Okay, that's fair. You play in hardcore as well. Um, or hardcore no, I just as in like hardcore hours, lots of hours. Yeah, hardcore hours. I do play like gauntlets and events like that. I do love it. I would love to play hardcore SSF, to be honest. I think like PoE is a great game to play it like that. Like to, to feel that thrill of, oh, I'm going to die. Like that's, this is a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think A, I'm knowledgeable enough to be able to do that. And B, I don't think the game is in a good state right now to be able to do that. Yeah, that's very fair. I've, I've certainly felt those feelings both myself in recent times. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but what uh, you said, Cyborg, about the early item progression and uh, character progression, I personally felt that that felt good this league for me mm. for longer. But that's probably just because I'm forced to farm white and yellow maps for longer before getting into reds. <laughs> Yeah, and also like, I play SSF, right? So I'm not looking to trade and get gear that way. So any kind of progression that I make is progression that I've made, um, like inherently. Yeah. So it also means that I don't have the same value towards currency that other players do. 
So I'm not playing the trade league. Trade league. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sense. quite the opposite. I'm the kind of player that, you know, day two, I'm in red maps already and I'd like to do Ubers and kill bosses and do content and stuff like that. Last league, I actually got my first level 100. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Winter Orb Occultist. <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorite builds of yeah, all Yeah, it was time. really fun to play. I've been meaning to play it for a long time because everyone talks about Warb, Warb, Warb. And last league, I just decided to go for it. So I farmed the headhunter and then made the build and just pushed it to 100. Really had fun playing it. Nice. I also <laughs> made my first level 100 last league. Oh, nice. In hardcore. No, no. I've never had a 100 in hardcore. I've had a level 99 in Delph, hardcore solo cell phone. 3.4 was Delph League, right? Um, but... When I realized how long it's going to take to 100, basically I farmed like one day of solo cell phone delve resetting, which was the SSF XP back then. Yeah. And I got to 12.5%. And then I did the math and I was like, okay, so this is seven more days of doing this. I'd rather kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then just did when the game to becomes work, that's when I don't want to play anymore, right? And like I, like I said, I used to play a ton of Diablo 2. Same thing, right? As soon as it got to the point where the only progression is just to do endless bow runs. I'm done, I'll just go roll a new build. Well, I mean, I still found it interesting just for the sake of feeling out how close am I to 100, how long is it going to take. But as soon as I had a grasp on that concept, what 100 is, I wasn't interested anymore. I was like, okay, it's just going to be one more point and uh, a whole lot of work. (laughs) I actually liked it. I ran Crimson Temples last league. So you can imagine, it's always the excitement of one more card dropping. I did end up dropping two, I think. So that was fun. That was fun to do. Yeah, I've hit hit 100, I think, three times. Twice in softcore and my first one that was in hardcore trade. Hardcore trade was my first level 100. I have myself a dead eye. I got to level 100 with uh, like 4k life. Just playing Tornado Shot, MFing Tier 16 Elder Maps in full MF gear with no defenses and just going, I hope I live, I hope I live, I hope I live, I hope I live every day. (laughs) (laughs) Too much stress for me. (laughs) Uh, We got there. (laughs) Yeah, so this league I might go for my first level 100 in in HC SSF because I do have a level 96 right now that doesn't look like it's going to die anytime soon. The problem is that I'm not patient enough and I'm probably going to want to take it into bosses before I hit 100. And I'm likely going to die to some some minor thing that I didn't think about or something that I forgot. I'm, I'm just not not super expert when it comes to the end game. I don't have enough practice. should probably like go really hard for one league on softcore solo cell phone. But in softcore trade, I just lack the motivation to really like do a lot of end game stuff. I don't know, yeah. I get there and then the game is over for me. Yeah, I guess that's that kind of probably goes back to like what TGG are probably trying to do with some of the changes they're making, right? Is how do they balance that kind of that gameplay so that you get rewarded and all that kind of stuff, but you're not also kind of relying on trade and all those kind of other systems um, yeah. to, to have the rewards that you can feel. I don't know. To me personally, like most leagues, we do a small private league that we start in with a few friends. It's usually like six to eight of us and, you know, no economy, no nothing. We just trade items between 
each other. Nice. And otherwise, I just play software trade, but I play mostly like as if I was a SSF. I don't really like trading. I don't, you know, get a lot of items to sell, to flip for currency and all that. But if I need something and I can't get it, I'm going to go and buy it. That's a great mindset to have to play in softcore. I just, I just always fall into the trap of fear of missing out by not like engaging with trade the way that you know other people who are successful in the economy do. And then I always, I always feel like I'm playing suboptimally, wasting time, wasting currency, and I, I just. I mean, yeah. if that's your goal and that's what you want to do, I think you would do it, right? Like it's the same for me. I've made currency. I've gotten headhunters, like no mage blood, no mirrors, and stuff like that. But I know how to make currency. But it becomes tedious after a while, right? It's yeah, nice I... to have a goal to work towards, but yeah, it becomes work. Yeah, I guess so when you're also when you're past the point of proving to yourself that you can really do it, when you just do it for the sake of getting it done, like even knowing that it can be easily done, but it it just is the the work similar to the 100 grind basically it's like as long as it was serving me in the sense that i was discovering that i was mapping out mentally how that 100 goal works but as soon as that was not the thing anymore i, mean, I guess the same applies to currency making and like when you're making currency with the goal of buying your first headhunter and you're really excited about it then it's not as bad but if you've already had a headhunter and if you're not super excited about like running tier 16s endlessly with like super juice and the headhunter on then yeah i mean i think in a game like this having goals is really really important right absolutely the way cpoe is like a sandbox game to be honest especially now with the atlas kill tree that you can really craft a unique experience and just play the game the way you want yeah unless you don't want to play with arch nemesis then you don't have an option <laughs> is that is that a hint that that you have a that you're um that you have a sort of specific opinion towards arch nemesis he's got a pulse not me. necessarily to be honest like i i don't really mind i just i don't enjoy the gameplay loop like I love the changes to Harvest Sleek, for example, because yeah. I found that Harvest was so important, like you have to do it, but it was so disruptive whenever you encountered it in a map. I hated that mm -hmm. about it, and I just ended up not doing Harvest at all. Because I play PoE, I like to blast maps and kill monsters, right? Like I work a week, two weeks to make my character strong, and then I just want to feel like a god just destroying everything, right? I don't want to stop for a stupid garden and stay there for 15 minutes trying to figure out what to craft. Where's my bases? Where's this? Yeah. I don't have a scour in my inventory. Go back to hideout. And it's just really stupid. Oh, the worst one. I have a scour, but the item's in my stash. And it won't yeah. let me scour it from here. So now I have to go leave my map, get the item, bring it in. <laughs> oh, yeah, I found it the worst super intrusive. That's like it speaks to like some weird kind of psychology that happens with like with the way people engage with games in general, right? Where you feel that you can't miss out, and so you do something that is purposefully not fun because you don't want to miss out on what you see as an opportunity. But like you're fully in control of just saying, "I don't want to like I don't want to do this thing. It's not fun. I'm going to go do the thing that I find fun." But you feel like you're missing out because you're not engaging with a certain piece of content, even if it's unfun to you. 
It's really like, really interesting how that can yeah, work. That that to me screams bad design. To be honest, mm. like I know PoE is a super complex game and it's really hard to balance, but there shouldn't be one option that just outperforms all the other options. But unfortunately, the way PoE is set up with the league system and leagues that go core and all that, it's always going to be tricky, right? To make sure there's no one better option. But with Harvest, we all know it. That's what it was for a very long time. <laughs> and also... I have, to be honest, I have no problem with Harvest being strong. I just had an issue with it being so disruptive to my mapping and killing monsters experience. Even when I do solo self-found runs in the past, before this rework, I just skipped Harvest. I didn't even do it in solo self-found. Because I was like, I know it's powerful. I know I should. But like, I'm blasting maps. I'm getting progression. I'm, I want to I wanna stop right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially when progressing through Atlas, right? Like white, yellow maps. You don't want to do the Harvest because there's nothing good that you're going to get there. But at the same yeah. time, you kind of have to do it because that's how you progress your gear so you can move out of yellow maps and into red maps to get a good harvest. I've gotten too many uh, too many six links in, in low E maps in harvest in the past to before this rework to skip any harvests in low maps even. <laughs> it's just from an SSF point of view, it was just so impossible to skip it. Which is also why when I made the currency that I had to make in trade last league. It was the first thing that I did. It was block it and ignore it. Ah, such a <laughs> blessing to be able to block it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right. Well, I think that what? was the... What? what? Please, I got, I got, I got, I got two more questions before we end. Go Perfect. Um, a little bit, a little bit less related to the, the wiki or our in-game experiences. Um, this one's a, also one's from chat, but ones I wanted to ask. Uh, Goan guy asked earlier, um, are there any other tools that you've worked on, for either of you, for PoE or other games? Uh, and are there any that you're like super interested in a tech from like a technical side? Any that are coming up or just exist already that you're like, Super interested in how they function or work or anything like that. Um, so, I mean, I'm I don't work on any other tools. Um, like, there's some stuff that I've seen, kind of, you know, when Arch Nemesis came out as a league. There's some really interesting stuff happening with like people doing kind of machine vision and stuff, like to identify like what Arch Nemesis kind of modifiers you had kind of stashed up, right? So, there's some really interesting kind of stuff around there that other people have done. And just like just the sheer amount of work that the path of building kind of community does and getting that tool available to everyone. Um, so I really like seeing that kind of stuff. Um, I've done like a few wikis for other games over the years and like forums and stuff, but nothing kind of worth really digging into. But nah, it's just the community in this game is something really kind of interesting to kind of watch, especially kind of the tool building community. And actually, I'd say that I'm immediately thinking of like the stuff that Zao is working on. Like he's doing some really, really cool stuff that he's not showing many people. Ah, yeah, definitely. There's um, some amazing tool creators in the community, like specifically the POB team. And also, I love watching Never Sync before every league, just working on his filter. 
and the tech he built around it is pretty amazing to the point where he ended up writing his own language for his filters. It's absolutely incredible. And just the fact that he does it league after league with no real, you know, like monitor incentive or anything. He just does it because he loves doing it. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. I didn't really um, contribute to tools, well, not PoE specific. Um, my interest started when I was playing Apex Legends, and there used to be a guy called that one mining guy. He used to data mine Apex Legends. That's where that's what piqued my interest. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like just looking around in the game files and trying to find, you know, upcoming things and all that stuff. It's pretty interesting. And you're working on some pretty cool game-related stuff as well, aren't you? So that was the second question here. <laughs> was D.E.U.I. asked, if you get a chance, ask Robot about the game he's making. Excuse me, you're making a game? Yeah, so at some point earlier this year, I think it was, I started working on my own game. And slowly over the past few months, just gotten more and more serious about it. And yeah, it's going pretty well so far. It's probably going to take a while until it becomes a real game. But yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. It's a good, um, good side hobby. Any anything you anything you can tell us about? Like, what do you what? Like, has it got a genre, or is it like not far through enough that you want to explain it to people? Well, as you can imagine, is you know an ARPG, like think PoE nice. Diablo. Right, same kind of thing, random loot, random monsters, all that kind of stuff. It's just the whole goal of it was just to make a game that I would enjoy playing. And that's about it. That's the right goal to have. That's the feeling I get from from games that I like playing is that oh, I really got the feeling that the developers made a game that they themselves wanted to play here. Yeah, I think that's really important, right? Like having the right experience and the right perspective, and you know, just bringing your own understanding. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I guess it's also important to like have, like you said, uh, understanding to have that overlap between you know what you're passionate about, like what you want to see, but at the same time, like what you're good at, right? Like, I mean, like. Chris said on the the podcast with Josh Strife Hayes is like like all the people at GGG or a lot of people at GGG really like uh, real time strategy games, but they couldn't be making a good real time strategy game because that's not where their expertise li expertise lies. Yeah, definitely. That's pretty much it. And to be honest, I've been thinking about making a game ever since I used to play Diablo two, right? Like, it's always been in the back of my head, but never really... Well, I tried a few times over the years, but never really gotten very far. And this time, I just took some more time, picked some better tooling. Also, the the resources we have access to nowadays are really amazing. Things like Unreal Engine and their assets oh, yeah. they offer for free. All that yeah. stuff is really, really amazing. Yeah, I've seen some videos on Unreal Engine 5 and all the assets it comes with and how you can easily recombine them and like scale them and build your own world off of it. Yeah, yeah they're pretty amazing. And also, the, it just looks amazing. 
So how long do we have to wait until you can share something from your game, like footage or, you know, like uh, a little bit of a explanatory video or maybe in the far distant future, even like a playable demo version or something like that? Well, I do have playable versions of the game out there, but just shared with a few people. Like, it's still an early development. I've been yeah, working on a lot of the core systems, like inventory, character progression, levels, all of that damage, enemies. You know, there's a lot of things that need to happen before you start making the actual game. So yeah, just refining of those things. Now, recently, I found a few other people that might be willing to help me with some art, specifically. I have someone helping with the writing and the world building as well. Because these are things that I'm not very good at, at best. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. That's a, essentially a completely different skill set from... Uh, from being able to construct like a logical framework that, that works in, in programming or in any like sort of organization or yeah, that sort of stuff is completely different from the create creative work that goes into coming up with like lore and uh, background stories and all that yeah, stuff. Definitely. It's just, it's hard if you try to do everything yourself, you know, you have to learn everything. So you have to learn how to make music, you have to learn how to model, you have to learn how to rig and animate and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same about the, the content creation thing. You have to learn how to do social media management, you have to learn how to do community management, you have to learn how to be organized, to, 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 to communicate with people, how to video edit, how to script, how to voice act, all these things. Yeah, definitely. You gotta wear a lot of hats. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you're doing that kind of stuff, it's good to have a lot of interests. Um, because you're gonna have to like do so many things that if you're interested in doing all that stuff, you can succeed, I think. Like, I can share a little something if you want to see what I've been doing today. All right. That is a. Oh, video. All right, let me quickly see. I think one of them has music. I don't remember which uh, one. I don't think my, my setup is in such a way that it, the audio is captured at all. Like okay, I, that's fine. That's fine then. It was just like music, music. Wow, that looks quite a bit better than I imagined. But like, yeah, you said, you said Unreal. So, yeah. Yeah, Unreal does <laughs> look spectacular. Yeah, I was just working on some dissolve effect for monsters because I plan to not have a million corpses just lying around. I'd imagine that'd be very hard to do in like something like Unreal Engine because it's not built for it. Like GGG specifically built their engine in mind with like the, the corpse feature, right? That's something they wanted, I believe, from the start. Not really, to be honest, because so with Unreal Engine, you can work in two ways. Right, you can write code directly, or you can use blueprints. And I'm using blueprints exclusively, which is like a visual scripting kind of language that you have a bunch of nodes and just connect them around, right? Instead of writing code. But if you do write code, it's much more performant. And also, Unreal in general is quite well optimized. But yeah, I just I didn't want to have to deal with all that. So this is a cheap way to get rid of the body. No, no, it makes sense. 
Yeah, and the other one is some um, oh. missiles VFX I was trying out today. And this one in here as well. That's, that looks very cool. They're basically just like um, experiments. It's just me learning how to do things, figuring out how things work. This yeah. was about tracking um, missiles to a target. Wow. Yeah. Nice fireworks there. Dude, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's like, it's always great to see like these little projects um, sprout and get into uh, into something that eventually becomes like a real playable thing. Like, I mean, it's still a, a bit off, but I remember like starting to play Last Epoch when that was in beta or was it an alpha still and then just seeing it years later and seeing like how far it came and like how many features there are now that, that weren't there before and how overall it's the like a much more pleasing experience great and yeah I, I very much appreciate if this becomes something cool that uh, brings some new ideas to the table and uh, and stirs up a little bit of a discussion about like systems and ARPGs. It's always yeah. good to have more options for ARPGs as well, right? There's not many out there. It seems like a bit of an underserved kind of genre over the years. So it's nice yeah, to have definitely. more stuff there. That's kind of how I felt about it. Like I was mentioning this last night, right? That sometimes I quit the league, like I'm done with the league and I would like to play a game like PoE, but that isn't PoE, right? Because I like the genre, but maybe not poe specifically all the time yeah and there's nothing much to play like there's you know um diablo 2 mods diablo 2 resurrected last epoch and that's about it for me i'm not a big fan of green dawn like i don't i don't know i find it quite slow paced mm -hmm. yeah, and, yeah, I, still play diablo. I still play diablo 3 every season but it's I, for I, about could three never, days. I could never get into Diablo 3. Like I did on release, I was super hyped about it, and then huge disappointment, and I cannot. <laughs> I cannot go back to it. I tried it I, over the years now and then, but yeah. I still enjoy it, but I enjoy it for literally three days. Like it's a lot of fun for three days, and then you're like, oh yeah, I'm done. I'll come back next season, see ya. Yeah, yeah, that's about <laughs> it. Like it has, <laughs> it feels like it has no depth to it, right? Like that's no, exactly it. No replayability. And they skip every sense of progression. It's just hard skipped. So you you go from starting a brand new season empty to I have a fully completed character in like two days. Yeah, and that's probably and then you play my that completed character part. for a day, and there's nothing else to do. You're like, oh, um, all right, see ya, see you next season. Yeah, progression is my favorite part. Like in Poe yeah. as well, I love the you know you start on the beach with a freaking stick in your hand, and you just whack monsters with it and then you end up being this like super powerful god slayer i really love that idea did any of you ever play um hellgate london no so that was like that was a pretty like i'm i'm kind of sad still that it kind of the studio flagship studios ended up going under because what they had was actually pretty interesting it was like a third person slash first person arpg um that had some pretty interesting stuff in it. 
Um, but that one wasn't a lot of time. That was maybe like what, 12. I was at university at the time. It was like 12, 13 years ago. Um, but that was a lot of fun. They were also working on one, I think, if I remember correctly, it was called Mythos, which is like more of a traditional like fantasy thing. Um, but that was pretty fun. Hmm. Nice. Cool that you brought that up because my, my next question would have been, is there any like games on the side that you enjoy or that you'd want to bring up because they fascinate you or that you want to give a shout out to? I'm a massive Warhammer nerd. So like Total War Warhammer is just like, it's so perfectly encapsulated the traditional like tabletop game. I don't play tabletop. I buy all the books. You can probably see behind me. Mm. Um, but like I'm super into kind of that stuff. So those games have been like, I'm buying all the DLC. They're really good fun. Like they really have managed to capture like the bits of Warhammer that are really fun. And the gameplay is just really good fun too. So yeah, that for me mm. is, uh, that's been my, my kind of thing for the last few years since they started releasing that. Right. That brings me to something I've always wanted to ask Balor. Not wanting to overextend on the podcast, this will be the last last talking part, but Balor, you've been talking about Lost Ark in the past. That was the game you were super passionate about when it was on the on the East mm -hmm. uh, servers, and you said when it's going to launch in the West, you even think about making it your main game. And now we've seen people go from PoE and transition to Lost Ark as their main game, but you're not one of them. What's What is exactly, like, killed your excitement for it, if, if that's fair to say honest answer is the kind of thing a content creator shouldn't be saying uh, but I'm still playing PUE instead of Lost Ark because that's where I make my money that's that's how I eat and pay bills um, I can't afford to go play Lost Ark basically it looks really good I'm very interested in it if I ever end up with some spare time I will absolutely play it but I can't afford to be playing that right now Unfortunately, I can't play it here. Like, I can't play on the Korean servers because you need a, what do you call it, social security number to make an account. And I can't play on the NA servers because there's no Amazon here in Thailand. <laughs> Ooh, rough. Yeah. Hmm. But it doesn't, I don't know, I've looked at it, but it doesn't attract me very much, to be honest. It feels quite slower than I would enjoy anything. And at the same time, it's an MMO, right? So quite a bit different kind of a game. Yeah. yeah. People people are very often being like, but it's an ARPG, you'll like it. But it's very much not. It has ARPG-style combat. No, but it's, but it's it an, is MMO an MMO ARPG, right? Yeah. It's just like it's an MMO. MMO it's just... Yeah. It's just that the actual physical gameplay is very ARPG-esque, right? Like, yeah. it's that kind of thing, but it's definitely still just an MMO, right? <laughs> yeah, like, to be honest, I do enjoy the pacing of combat in PoE. Like, maybe it's a little bit too fast even in PoE, but it, it feels nice, you know, to just run around and kill things. Or, like, things just die around you, right? Right. Yeah. I, I want to give a shout out to one game that uh, impacted my development a lot and that uh, I've probably not mentioned on the stream before, except for like a, a small side conversation. But I, I don't know whether I can bring it up here, but it's called Jagged Alliance and uh, uh, Jagged Alliance 2, actually. And uh, it was made by a German company. I can't bring it up. It doesn't. 
No, I can't. I can't move the window here. It started on my main screen, but what Windows says is the main screen. I can't move it over here. But basically, a turn-based uh, combat simulation strategy game sort of thing with like extensive amounts of micromanaging like really awesome stuff that you can do like recipes item manipulation there's like so many different mercenaries that you can hire npcs that you can interact with everyone has their own like personality voice acting and uh, it's just an incredible game and i've said that in the past and i'll go on record here saying it again it's like i hope that someone picks up Jagged Alliance 2 and does to it what GTG did to Diablo 2, which is apply their extensive knowledge and passion for, for the game at hand and make an updated version that like, is a logical expansion or extension of what they were going for back in the day. It'd be so great to see that. But if you've never checked it out, check it out. I'll, uh, I wanted to show some footage, but I can't. <laughs> There's a lot of like, really good old games that like I, I I find myself playing a lot of games that I played in my childhood just to kind of relive like the sensations. Right? There's like the best Civilization game as far as I'm concerned is Alpha Centauri. Like none of the games since have been able to beat that game, um, and I've tried them. I just can't get into them. Um, it's just well, yeah. It's, I think it's me, also a combination of nostalgia, right? Hundred percent. For me. Black and white. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would have been loved so good. It. Absolutely loved I would love for someone to pick up black and white and update it and make a like a three or whatever. That's like relevant to today's standards. Black and love white two game. was pretty decent. I've always wanted to like do the multiplayer with like other people at some point. Yeah, it was much more of like a city builder, if I remember correctly. Like Two compared yeah, to one. Um, they definitely made it like a bit more. I don't want to say easy, but they explained the systems a bit more. Or maybe I was just older when I played it, so I got it a little bit more. It was definitely just a better one. game. Like Black and White Two, what was yeah. Black and what well, Black and White Two was what Black and White One was supposed to and tried to be, but they just didn't know what to do, and they were like hard pressed for time. I think they needed to release it for financial reasons or whatever. I can't explain, but like there was an extensive in a, a German gaming magazine. There was an extensive series of interviews with the developers over the course of the the development of the first game, and there were so many like loose ends that they tried to tie up. And so many ideas that they had for how things should work, and uh, it, it just very little of what was talked about made it into the actual finished game, which is a little bit oh, sad. In that kind of context, there's um, I don't know if you ever played Planescape Torment, but there's like a design document floating around online, which was what they ended up pitching to investors when they wanted to make the game. Um, and it's really fascinating because it's like it's this twenty-page PDF, which is like this whole like design document about how they came and went. To kind of just like how they decided to make this game, it's really fascinating. I was looking the other night through the original design document for the first Diablo game, and that was like pretty oh. interesting to go through. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think we're just showing our age now. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I, when when we talked about uh, when I brought up Jagged in our pre-conversation on the of the podcast when we did like a, a little test call yesterday, I, I talked to Balor about it and, and said how great I find it. But I, it's really hard for me to kind of discriminate what what is like actually a good game about it and what is actually just nostalgia, right? Because 
it's it's what got me into gaming right and a lot of things that i enjoy about the game are also things that i later enjoyed about diablo 2 i actually don't know which one i played first of the two now that i think but like definitely like things that i learned to appreciate in arpgs later as well like the inventory management and stuff like that it's just fun to micromanage these things but yeah i think we've kind of uh hit the marks we've uh, covered all the topics answered all the questions brought up all the talking points and um we don't want to make this needlessly long as much fun as it was i think it's a great time to conclude the podcast here so if you want to um quickly give yourself shout outs or maybe name again where people can join to help maybe give me a link or post the link in chat to your discord server where people can go and post suggestions and inquire about all things poe wiki um yeah do you want to go first uh i am a cyborg yeah no just for me shout out is like just to everyone who's been open and helping to the project right it's been so refreshing to see like a community that is you know often quite negative um, it's been really nice to see so much positive sentiment coming from like the whole community. Um, there's been some like I've had a few things pointed my way, which I understand why. Um, and then no one's been like irrational, weird, or crazy or anything. It's just it's just been really nice to see the overwhelming amount of support we've had. Uh, so just thank you to like everyone who's using the website, who's contributed to the website, who's worked on the website. It's just been you know, it's been so nice to see and shout out to ggg just to being open to having conversations with us about kind of bringing the, the thing to to be kind of official and be hosted by them it's it's a great development i like it a lot um i kind of am mentally depleted robot boy would you quickly uh, like to tell us about what people should be excited for i always do this with the sort of like we always have content creators on here so like when i said shout out i meant like do you want to shout out yourself and tell people where they can find what you do or like support you directly <laughs> but uh, i guess that doesn't really apply to you guys but uh, yeah again make sure that you tell people what you want them to know once again keep in mind that people may not have listened to the entire episode at the point where they listen to this yeah, definitely. Just a thanks to everyone who's been involved, everyone who shares the wiki, supports us in any way. And yeah, if you want to find us for whatever reason, if you have feedback or just want to chat with us, stop by our Discord. You can find it in chat and you can also find it on the wiki in the sidebar. Yeah, feel free, drop by, say hello, um, just discuss things, ask questions. We're usually there and we love to just talk about the wiki as you can see yeah i just clicked the link and then it, it grayed out your cameras and said that i have to upgrade to discord nitro to join more than 100 discord servers so i guess <laughs> i'm leaving one of these discord servers that i've been how are you on 100 servers <laughs> i i just joined every path of exile content creator discord I just was like, hey, I'm, I'm you know, this is sort of my thing, right? Like, I want to be in touch with everyone. And at the time, I didn't really, like, I was starting to explore Discord. I didn't really know how it worked. And now I have, like, a whole bunch of servers that I sadly never get to interact with because 100 is just too many, right? So um, I'm going to have to happens? Yeah? What happens is you're running a podcast, and if you want to find somebody and you know their name, you can only find them if you share a Discord server with them. 
So the best way to be able to super easily find someone with only knowing their name is to be in every single POE server that you can find. Because <laughs> then you can just type their name into search and find them. There they are right there. Yeah, but then <laughs> I guess a few core Discord servers would be sufficient, like being on the Racing Discord, the Path of Exile Discord, and and, and some other ones that you probably cover, like 99% of content creators. But probably. yeah, like... Yeah, when I don't even know like what name someone goes by on Discord, like the easiest thing is just to go through their stream, click the Discord button, join their server, and then see who's on top of the list. Like, and then write to that person. You need to slide into their DMs on the Path of Exile website. (laughs) (laughs) Real quick, I have seventy-one unread messages on the website. Wow, I thought Already? you beat me harder. I think I got the same amount. Similar. 185 unread messages. Ooh. Oh, you guys you guys gotta bump those numbers up. Wait, give me a second. Yeah, but that's because like Path of Exile purchases, microtransaction points have been sent to your guild, gauntlet I empty exile. 476. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's because I usually run um practice leagues before gauntlets and then but like a year after the gauntlet has passed, people still apply for that practice league and I keep getting <laughs> messages. And there are just too many. You can't go through them like in bulk. You can only do like 20 at a time or something. And I just yeah. cannot be. I just leave them. Yeah, I yeah. think those kind of core systems on the Path of Exile website are built on PHBBB. So it's like a yeah. pretty old school PHB like forum system. Yeah, I remember like back in the day using the forum and like manually linking items on my shop thread and all that. Good times. But yeah, with all that said, I want to wholeheartedly thank you both for coming on and spending so much time with us and providing all these uh, insightful points. Thank you so much for having us. It's been really, really great. Yeah, thanks for having us. Been really fun. I, I agree. I, we should do this again at some point when there's like more things to talk about than what we covered today, when there's like future projects or developments or when PoE2 is on the horizon and we finally know whether there's going to be an in-game wiki or you guys going to have to do all the work of updating uh, the wiki from PoE1 to PoE2 or maybe it will be split. Who knows what's happening? But yeah, aside from it being fun, it was also very insightful and I hope that a lot of people got as much out of it as I did not only on the enjoyment side, but also on the information side. And then on top of that, I hope that there's really like some sort of awareness of, you know, that there's actually people working on this. There's a lot of hours going into this. And if you have some hours to spare and you're passionate about there being a community maintained resource like the wiki, then um, go get in touch with these lovely dudes or like directly sign up on the poewiki.net and uh, start getting to work. Um, what was the one oh, thing that you specifically said? If there's someone who has access to the search engine optimization tools and can pull yeah. that data, that that would be very much appreciated. That's like the, the on the top. Any other like top uh, needs right now? Anything you're looking for? No, I think that's the only one that really springs to mind. If anyone just wants to contribute, right? That's uh, always looking for new contributors. I think on the a... biggest need is just more developers to help us with the data mining part. And on, uh, on my side, I'll try a lot harder to actually reply 
if you guys send me emails instead of just reading them and then and then just forgetting they exist. Well, and now we're linked up on Discord, so I think you guys realized that when we did the podcast that we're a lot more responsive on Discord. We're just really bad at checking yeah. emails. Yeah, yeah I think I've got like eighty thousand unread emails. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's so it's so bad. You get to a point where you just don't want to anymore. Anyway, guys, if you missed the beginning of the podcast, this will be uploaded in full to YouTube, and uh, then it's also available as an audio version on all platforms. Um. The next episode, there will be a next episode. We don't have it scheduled now, but if you look in a couple of days from now, you go to faded.fyi slash next. That's the uh, short URL that always redirects you to the countdown for the next planned episode. Right now, it will redirect you to the time and date of this episode, but in a couple of days, it may be different when we have an episode planned out. I was just honestly being a little bit lazy and burnt out on doing so much work for the podcast not the podcast itself just the behind the scenes stuff is a little bit draining at some points when you're talking to so many different people i just needed to check out for a little bit or more likely i needed to have that focus to be here for this episode and to talk to you guys and now that this is concluded i'm going to put in some work to make sure that in the next coming weeks before 3.20 announcement we're going to have interesting guests and fun conversations going forward as much as we had. I mean, it's hard going to be hard to top this episode, but that said, have a wonderful day guys. Um, thanks for tuning in and see you on the thanks next so one. Much.